welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. This is episode 78 for Tuesday, April 21st, 2020. And in this show, we bring on two new guests that honestly we don't know much about, other than they are seasoned competitors that are brought to you by request. Anyway, it's a little known fact that talking rally is a great cure for coronavirus isolation. So grab a cold one as we listen to some rally stories from AJ Hakala and Dmitry Kashkarev, also known as Dmitry Alpinsky, from the virtual rally pub we call the Rallycast. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and please pull up a chair and get yourself a beer from our friendly barman, Ian Holmes. Uh, good evening, Mr. Holmes. Uh, you've got any good drinks there uh, you're recommending tonight? Oh, I am. I'm rec- recommending a really, really good one tonight. This is from Lift Bridge Brewing in Stillwater, Minnesota. So this is quite quite local to me. This is their Farm Girl Saison. It's uh, ale brewed with orange peel. So it's it's a nice one. It's nice and crisp. And when the temperatures get up to 70 tomorrow, like they say they will, which is like the first time since September, this is going to be a nice beer to crack open tomorrow and enjoy on a nice, pleasant evening. I can tell you that. Well, that sounds delectable. And as is normal with our podcast, drinks are a very important part of it. And uh, let's bring on our guests and see what they're drinking tonight. So first off, we have AJ Hakala. Did I I pronounce that right, AJ? Uh, Yeah, pretty close. All right. Please correct me. (laughs) Hakala. Hakala? Hakala. Hakala. A little closer. Come on. A little bit. All right. Come on, Mike. I'll give up. You can, Mike. Mike, you can do Unis Boya. (laughs) <laughs> my, my name has been pronounced so many times i'm starting to think that i'm mispronouncing it nice well what are you enjoying this fine evening uh i have a red blend from portugal it's delicious and much like you guys we we're enjoying a very rare sunny and no wind day here in central wyoming oh yeah it gets really windy out there in wyoming mm-hmm. sheesh and uh, we also have our next guest with us is Dmitry Kishkarev, I think is your uh, uh, regular you official name good. or whatever, but uh, you go by Alpinsky, is that right? That is correct. That's my The second one you mentioned is kind of my internet alias. I use that online because people have trouble pronouncing my last name, which I don't blame them. It's, uh, you know, it's not easy. I'm not going to do what AJ did here and make you try six times. You did a fine job the first time. Yes. <laughs> Well, it did take me a little bit to uh, find you on EWT results to uh, look up uh, your rallying history. Uh, guess I was trying to use the pseudonym that you're using there. So, <laughs> my apologies to everyone who's been through that. <laughs> yes, it has caught a few people off guard. <laughs> hey, Ian, I've never, I've never met you, but the accent—that's it, lovely. I could listen to it all day. Oh well, oh, no, no, you're not supposed to say that. The women are supposed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> It's always been a big hit with the women. You should see the service that I can get in a restaurant sometimes just by talking to them in my best English accent. They they just melt at the knees and we get really good service. That's wonderful. We, we only keep him on the show because his accent just adds some credibility that I don't have. And, and what I was about to say about the sound quality, make sure you hear me well. I was 
I thought of nothing better to do today earlier than, than to listen to an old podcast. I turned on the one that you had with Antoine, Mike and uh, Ian, and I couldn't, the, the Antoine's sound quality was not good for some reason. I don't know how you guys recorded that. Maybe he was on a cell phone cell or something. Phone. He was on a yeah. cell phone yeah. and it was horrible. That, that sounds That's sucked. why I try and do my best. Please use Skype. It's, it's so much better. Um, yep. So Skype to Skype is always better. Cell phones just me. Anyhow. So what is it that you're enjoying beverage-wise this evening as we get rolling here? I have a bottle of some sort of Malbec that I uh, recently bought from an online store, actually. I am in no way a beverage connoisseur. I'm just an old, experienced alcoholic. That's I like to joke. <laughs> I, um, I don't claim to be a wine expert, but this stuff is pretty damn good. Hey, no, you had me at Malbec. Um, I love <laughs> Malbecs. They are one of my favorite wines. I, dude, I'm a fan. Good pick. I, I, a fun fact: We have, we all have a common friend that we all know very well. I'm sure you guys know him. ACP Andrew Conry Picard is mm-hmm. a well-known rallyist. The guy is actually he's a longtime friend of mine. He's a certified, official certified wine taster. Like he's an expert. He's a professional. I bet you didn't know that. Oh, uh, uh, was it sommelier? He's an official sommelier. Yeah, more than he's more than that. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's the proper term. Yeah, but I think that there might there might be different degrees of certification. He's he's one of the higher ones. Yep. I guess that's what happens when you get big in Hollywood. (laughs) Next time you have a glass of wine with him, make sure you ask him about it. Will do. Will do. Well, I myself am enjoying a nice gin and tonic with a local gin, uh, Aviation Gin, which is owned by Ryan Reynolds right here in Portland. He owns uh, Aviation Gin, and he always cracks me the hell up. So there we go. Gin and tonic with Aviation Gin. Nice. Cheers. 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 Cheers, everybody. All right. Well, we wanted to bring you guys on because, well, everyone's telling me we need to get you guys on. (laughs) Um, Obviously, you have a lot of history. Uh, You two have known each other for a long time. You've been around the rally community a long time. So I guess the first thing I want to start, maybe I'll start with you, um, Dimitri, actually. I think your history goes back a little bit longer, uh, at least from what I can find in results. Um, I guess, how did you get started in rallying and um, what was your first event? Uh, my first rally was back in 1999, in the fall of 99, in the U.S. It was the Black River Rally, which which then uh, ceased to exist for years, and then now they're bringing it back, I think. Great event. It was a little club rally, regional event. That's the first one I drove. My history of involvement with rally dates um, further back than I can remember. I've always loved the sport. I didn't grow up in any kind of a motorsport or car family. My uh, my family, we always had cars in the family, obviously, but my family has kind of, they, I'll, I'll say this, they'll never, they never supported me in this. They were never fans. They never really liked the idea. So I kind of had to work my way around that. I just did everything on my own. You know, when I was a little kid, I was, I, I was really passionate about it already. Then I was reading magazines and pictures, whatever video or TV programs I could find. And, um, uh, it's a long story. I'm uh, from an immigrant family, so they brought me here to the U.S. I was around 15 years old. That's before I could drive legally. So as soon as I could move around legally, I started finding out about rallies and going there to spectate, to help, make new friends. And a few years later, I was able to finally afford to uh, to buy a car and go rallying. So that's how it went. So you went, you just wanted to, I got to get in the driver's seat kind of thing. Exactly. Yes. Very, from very early on, I had no idea how I would do it, but I knew one day I would and it happened. 
Yes. So, uh, if if you were if you're part of an immigrant family, so you you must have. I were you. Are you familiar with any any of the rush the the crazy Russian motorsports that we see on like YouTube videos? I'm thinking like the 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 tractor racing and the the big truck. The that's part my favourite is the big trucks, the Zill trucks with their halo like roll cages around the cab. Do you know anything? Are you, do you have any experience of those at all? Um, because I really, for most of my adult life, I didn't live in Russia. I really didn't, don't have any firsthand experience with that. Uh, however, I was absolutely all my life, I've been aware that they have this, that kind of truck rallying. Uh, I think Estonia, the part of the former Soviet Union, Estonia is today the only country that has that still to this day. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very aware that it exists. It's fascinating to watch. I've never done anything like it. The closest I came to, to seeing that firsthand was a couple of years ago. Um, we went, I, I accompanied uh, Antoine, who's a friend of mine, and uh, Alan, or my old co-driver, we went on a trip to Latvia where they ran a prototype car there in the uh, Rally Liepaja. And that was, that was a great experience. And over there, was the first time they actually saw those trucks up, up close and how they raced pretty pretty fascinating yes yeah i mean it's, it's like there's, there's no wonder that uh, the drivers this russian it's russian russian drivers that dominate events like uh, dakar with the with the camas truck and stuff stuff and vehicles like that with the the grounding that these drivers obviously get in that that sphere of racing yes absolutely it's it's a big factor yes yes yeah all right, so then uh, over to you, AJ. Uh, you know, it, it says on you know the EWC results that you know your first rally wasn't until 2005. But I have a feeling, I don't know, with a name like yours, it's got to be a little bit farther back than that. That you were at least involved in the in the sport in some way. No, that's actually true. My oh, first really? event was, yeah, it was 2004 actually, um, when I and and I think I know the reason why I never showed up on EWRC was because. I jumped in the car on day two of the COG rally um, with a friend of mine in Colorado. It was the really crazy year of COG when there was three cars that went off on the same corner and two, two crews ended up going to the hospital. Um, and it, um, that, was my, that was my trial by fire and stage rally. I had done hill climbs in Colorado. There's a really good hill climb program there. Mm -hmm. We do five or six hill climbs a year, and then obviously Pikes Peak. Um, but yeah, I, I had been doing hill climbing um, with Mitch Williams from Dirtfish for a number of years. And Mitch and I did tons of rally stage rallies after that. Um, but yeah, I jumped in. The, I jumped in the car um, because somebody's co-driver got sick, like puking sick, and I was the only person around that actually like knew anything about calling notes um, that they could find to continue. That may have been Larry Schmidt, I think. But I remember. Um, it's been a long time. Anyway, uh, so I actually got my start in the Rallycross program in Colorado, which is a great program. And there's been a number of good rally drivers in Colorado that started kind of in the same realm that I did. Um, for me, I got in the silly seat the ballast seat uh, as compared to a lot of other people. But yeah, so Cog Rally was actually my first stage rally in 04, which again was the year that there was like really, I think there was a bad Jumbo note or something on middle Cog and three cars went terribly off the road. Two car, 
two crews went to the hospital. One crew was okay, but yeah, I guess uh, from what I remember, that was pretty pretty high carnage event. Fast forward to 2005, which would have been my next stage rally, and Mitch Williams borrowing. This is crazy, Mitch. Uh, so he had been building a Ford Focus of all things. We were putting, we were hooking up the brakes on the car because it's a brand new build. And uh, he and I spent a late night at his former shop, which was then Checkpoint Racing. And uh, we were putting the car on the trailer and we forgot to hook up the brakes. And so we drove the car off the front of the trailer two days before the event, ended up borrowing a car from Brian McGuire of all people, a Honda, like a 91 Civic, which Mitch promptly beach balled us on middle cog the same stage a year later and put me in the hospital. Oh, um, so yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, that was a trial by fire. Why I continued rallying. I have no idea. Um, but over a hundred events later, here I am <laughs> still, still being involved. And I did meet you actually. I think it was at Idaho last year, right? Yeah. Idaho. Yep. Yep. And that was a good event. We, um, continuing with crazy rally events, um, you know, we podiumed at Idaho in uh, limited four-wheel drive with Flynn. So we drove that entire race with no center differential, no active center diff. And if you know about the roads with Idaho, the new stages last year, you know, a couple years now running, they're very tight. Yeah, they are. Spanish Fork, oh my gosh. Yeah, and, and then the Crystal Lake Loop or whatever, it's just so tight. We actually were borderline going to blow the center diff um, when we were trying to shake down the car. Um, if you remember, uh, our service crew was in Idaho City, but they let us drive the cars back to Boise um, after recce. Mm -hmm. So we were driving, you know, backwards on, uh, what's that stage? You know, the, the stage everybody loves. I call it Descent into Madness. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the name. Uh not Hastings. Um, I'm losing it. You know, you know what I'm talking about. The too, too many stage loves. names to, to remember, but yeah, yeah. The, the the one that's usually the opening stage, and then uh, usually at the end of the day, we kind of go back that direction to get back out the highway. Yep. And so we were driving back towards Boise, and the car, like the center diff, you could tell it was coming from the uh, transmission somewhere. But the car, sorry, I'm getting, I'm I'm moving around the house. Um, so the car started making all sorts of crazy noises. Uh, we pulled out on the highway to go back to Boise. It was it was metal on metal, screeching, angry. So we pulled over, and Doug Nagy was actually behind us, you know, and Streetwise is running our um, service crew. And we pulled over on the side of the road, and we started looking at things, and we ended up pulling the fuse for the center diff. Uh, the car quits making any noise. So there was something in the center differential that was that was angry. We got back to Boise, and then uh, the next morning, you know, we're driving back out to the first stage, and it starts doing it again. Pull the fuse again, and then they canceled the first stage. Well, Flynn Baglin, you know, who I've been who I've been running events with for the last couple of years, he's like, "Oh, I want to try it because we transited the stage, and that is not a stage you want to, you know, be messing around with diff settings right. because it's super." Uh, very slippy that you know there's the creek that runs Harris Creek there we go that's Harris it Creek. Harris Creek you knew it started with an H yeah <laughs> you 
even crazy because the car would start falling on its face almost like a turbo issue on acceleration. And then on deceleration, it would start uh, not pushing like understeer, but it's doing the exact opposite. So it would actually be pulling us, like feel like it's pulling us backwards. The ending issue was that the uh, drive ratio for the center diff and the rear diff were different. Oh. Yeah, so we ran all of Idaho with no active center diff. <laughs> That's a challenge. <laughs> if you know Flynn at all, he has a long history in uh, stunt driving, commercials. You know, he's done Porsche, Ferrari, McLaren, the whole nine yards, Lamborghini. And he, like, he kept that car on the road. How? I have no idea. It was, it was, I wouldn't say terrifying, but terrifying would be pretty close. I'm trying really hard not to make any Subaru jokes. <laughs> we, we, we just listened to a good 20 minute long one. <laughs> well, what's crazy about it is Doug put that transmission in the car directly from John Quinn's Subaru. So I have no idea how John kept that car together. But anyway, yeah, that's my 20 minute Subaru joke. Because <laughs> now we need an Evo. <laughs> So how did you two meet? Because apparently, uh, Dimitri and AJ, you two have uh, quite a history of uh, being, I guess, at events at the same time or whatever. Uh, not really competed together, uh, I guess, uh, historically, but uh, happened to uh, formed quite a bond over the years. Whose version do you want first? <laughs> <laughs> Who's got the biggest lie? It, I, I, I'm really going to summarize by just saying that the way I like to tell people about it, I, I, you know, I get this question sometimes. How did you two meet? What did you do? Uh, we just really, AJ really wanted to co-drive for me for a long time. And, and I really, you know, I, I really wanted to one day try him out as a co-driver. We had our sort of separate careers. We live quite far away. The size of the freaking country, you know, is what gets in the way a lot of times. We live in the opposite ends of the country. We only did very little together so far to date, but uh, he always wanted to run with me, and I, I always wanted to run with him as well. Just never, never really worked out for for any kind of a, a, a long term relationship yet. But uh, maybe it will one day. He just really, you know, through, even before there was Facebook and social media, even on Rally L and everywhere, he he just really kept trying to hook up with me to run a couple of events together. It finally happened in 2015, but that's a that's a long and negative story. Actually, his his version and my version are a little bit different. I first met Dimitri at Tech Inspection at 100 Acre Woods in 2008, where he was going to run the rally but couldn't find a co-driver. Uh, just so happened that year, Rally America was running a regional runoff, if you will, of all the winners of the different regions were coming together at 100 Acre Woods in 2008 for a you know, I guess a runoff for lack of better words. And so Mitch and I were there for the final, the, our final event in uh, RGC before we went to a uh, blah by STI. And so if you hear anybody talk about hundred acre woods in 2008, it's probably the worst weather event I've ever run it by far. And Dimitri was there at the Dent firehouse inspecting, like looking around um, because he couldn't find a co-driver and uh, you know, just drove to the event anyway. He can tell you the rest of the story about kind of hooking up with Alex Kirani, Rally Brat. You know, too little, too late, but 
Uh, yeah, it, sh it should be noted. I drove. It's it's true what you say. Yes, I drove to the event without my rally car because you know back home I had a. It's crazy. It would have never happened today with all the uh, all the social media connections and the internet. But it did happen in 2008. I had a rally car sitting on a trailer ready to go. I was frantically searching for an available co-driver all over the special stage or whatever we had back then. I couldn't find anybody in time, so I just uh, I grabbed a couple of friends. I grabbed my mom. We got into a a, a, a big. BMW luxury car, and we just drove over to Missouri to spectate that one. And um, as I'm as I'm crossing into Missouri or Ohio, whatever it was, far away from home, I get a phone call from Alex Kiharani, the rally brat, whom everybody mm -hmm. knows now. And he happens to be available, and he's asking me if I still need somebody. I just didn't I didn't have enough time to turn around and go back and get the rally car. So I I just drove on and we spectated. And uh, Alex is right; that's where we met. But we uh, at that point we already wanted to do something together. Didn't materialize until years later. So this 2008 event, though, um, I, I mean, you talked about the worst weather that uh, has been seen at 100 Acre Wood. I, I don't know. There was one in, was it 2014, 2015, where they got all kinds of snow and whatnot? That was pretty treacherous, too. Is it worse than that? I was there as well, and I was co-driving at that point with Adam Short in uh, Wyeth Goobelman's old Group N Bug IWRX. That's when they cut the rally two stages short. But we, you know, Adam being a Colorado kid, you know, we were in our element uh, when it started dumping snow. Uh, we were passing people on stage. It was it was maniacal, like at night, dumping snow, passing people on stage, you know, two or three cars at a time. You know, we were, we were probably starting position, probably 12th or 13th on the road. And by the time we finished, we, we, when we came into the time control and service and they decided to cut the rally short, we had passed probably seven cars. We were up with, uh, with the high rollers at that point. But yeah, so the 2008 event, um, we were driving from Denver with the team out to Missouri and it's ice, snow, ice storms, dumping snow. Mitch was sick. We missed Recky because... Uh, we were it took us forever to get there um, just because of the bad weather which ended up to be our downfall we had a really hard off on the first night stage um which would have been stage four or five just absolutely way off the road into a fence into the trees car was pretty well totaled um and then it eventually made a comeback and that car is actually in the pnw um, which got crashed again at Tour de Forest last year. But yeah, so it was it was a bad luck event for us. And of course, uh, Dimitri, you end up going all the way out there to spectate with your mom, who apparently is not <laughs> into you doing this sport so much. And yet she uh, tagged along bad weather and all, huh? She is not. Um, she, um, I, you know, I posted a, um, I posted a good photo archive of my uh, early years of rallying not too long ago, and I, uh, I made a note there about uh, something about my family not being into it. She's not. Uh, she's, uh, you know, she's doing well. She's alive and healthy, thank God. And she still goes to events sometimes. She can be seen in some of my pictures. She's not. Uh, she's not thrilled about me doing it. She probably secretly or not so secretly wishes I'd stop by now, and that's not going to happen. Right. Uh, and she knows, and she kind of probably came to terms with that. And uh, she, she, she's not a big, uh, not a big supporter of this activity, but she, of course, likes to see me do well. Whenever I do well, she knows I enjoy it. She doesn't. Um, 
she doesn't do anything to to hinder my progress. But uh, I'm just the reason why I talk about it so much. I'm a bit envious of of people like uh, let's let's bring up Antoine again for example. He was born into a a, a rally a, a very passionate rally driver's family. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that kind of luxury background, so to speak. So uh, just, you know, makes me wonder sometimes as I go through life how things would have been different if I if I wasn't poor when I was young, if I wasn't an immigrant, if this didn't happen, that didn't happen. But what are you going to do about, you know, you can't change your past, so you just, you just gather your things and you move on. I didn't attend my first rally until 2010. So and even though there was one happening in essentially in my backyard since 1996, I didn't even know it existed uh, here in Oregon. Um, Thankfully, the internet, as it uh, grew, you know, is what drew me to it and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I had no clue. So I, I'm kind of in that same boat of didn't have anybody in the family that was uh, huge on racing other than watching, like, IndyCar races on the TV and things like that. So there wasn't, you know, we weren't at the racetrack or anything. We were too rural where we lived. There wasn't a whole lot of racing going on. So, But just we had this lots of road trips, and we just loved being on the road and when I found out about these real cars on real roads thing, that's what drew me in right there. Because I remember as a kid going up logging roads and just exploring when I first got my driver's license. I, you know, again, lived out in the country. We drive up in the little mountainous areas and they didn't have them all gated off back then. You could just go on these forest logging roads and I'd get myself lost and have to find my way back. And I'm like, wow, driving these at speed someday would be really fun. Oh wait, there's a sport around that, <laughs> you know. So yes, yeah, even even speaking of personal stuff, like I I've met uh, AJ's family and I love them. His dad drives his STI. His dad even I think is is a you know a rally supporter. I I don't have that. <laughs> so uh, AJ, I, what I'm trying to understand here is how you two are friends when uh, you've been in Subarus most of the time and he's been in uh, Mitsubishi's. Yeah, no, it's it's he likes to give me a lot of static about it. Um, to be honest, and it's friendly banter for sure. And it's it's really interesting you bring that up because Flynn um, Baglin and I will be, well, we were going to be doing uh, most of the ARA schedule this year before the pandemic uh, virus hit. You know, we missed 100 Acre Woods, we missed Oregon Trail, we missed Olympus, like who knows what's next. But we happened on a Evo 10 uh, Christian Arboleda's old car, which is a proper, properly built Mitsubishi. Um, you can talk to a lot of navigators that have been in that car, you know, most notably like Renan Gessomino, um, a couple other people. And they think that car, and I quote her when I say this, she says, and I, I can't do that. I'm not going to even attempt her accent. That car is an absolute weapon, which it is. The car, it's it's well built. It's sorted out. I don't know if it's it's being, it's just begging to be driven 120%, you know, with the skill that Flynn has. Um, and again, I, you know, I say that he has a quite extensive history in driving, both stunt, commercial, shakedown, and not, you know, driving Honda Civics. Yeah, you know, it, the banter has been friendly, but if you ask Dimitri deep down, um, he has driven Subarus and he has owned STIs. So, you know, he, he likes to uh, beat around the bush quite a bit, but deep down, you know, I know, I know better. When people ask me about it several times and, and they really get get to me with those questions, I tell them the truth. I, I do, I'd love myself a good, fast Subaru. I like anything that goes fast down a stage road. I have no problem if, if, if a Subaru came to me and it, you know, somehow I was able to afford a nice, a good one. It was better than what I have. I don't mind what it says on the emblem. It fits fine. I'll drive a good, fast Subaru. 
I don't know if it's appropriate to bring up Antoine again, but he look look at him when he finally in 2015 when Subaru Canada offered. He's never driven. He's never rallied the Subaru before. He was he's you know he's been a, an Eagle Talon guy. He had an Evo, which those were the best the golden years of his career, and uh, he got into a proper factory Subaru and it was wonderful. I, I do. I, I'd love myself a good fast Subaru. It's just that uh, uh, all my Subaru jokes aside, and all the humor that I poke at them uh, of you know a, a good one. I just I just personally think they're they're not as good of, of a value and not not as strong of a car that you can build uh, with a, with a reasonable reasonable budget, you know, compared to a Mitsubishi. But uh, you build me a good fast Subaru and you put me in it, yeah, I'll drive it. You know, just give you extra head gasket. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I own a Subaru, man. I just had that the engine rebuilt not too long ago, so I'm with you. Good humor and jokes. That's all it is. And Dimitri has plenty of them. <laughs> well, we just kind of want to open the floor for uh, some just rally stories, because you guys have been around for a long time. And uh, like I said, I, I don't have a, a lot of knowledge on your guys' background. Obviously, you started well before me. You know, AJ, you've been more on the West Coast. So you probably know some of the events like uh, when Oregon Trail used to run in the Tillamook Forest before we started moving out uh, farther east. What are your memories from uh, racing on the uh, west side? So my fondest memory of racing in the PNW is probably the old Oregon Trail stages that were up uh, on the south side of Hood River. Ah, yes. Yeah, so... um... I'm trying to remember the names of the stages, and again, how many years has Fur it Mountain, been? Fur Gilhooley. Yeah, Gilhooley, that's the stage. When Gilhooley used to be super long and go through the campground. Ah, I think that was before me. I think I only saw the shorter version. Yeah, so Gilhooley used to go all the way to that big, open, expansive mining road that now runs, that now tracks back towards um, Hood River. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so you race Gilhooley and it ends and then you transit through like a a BLM campground. Well, we used to race through that. Yeah. So, and, and Gilhooly is not a short stage and you would get to the last, you know, one and a quarter mile of that stage. And then you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm done distance to finish a mile and a quarter, but there's still five pages of, of Jemba because it's just two, three, two, three, two, three through the dodging pine trees. And so I don't know. Those those stages are fun. Um, I do like the Golden Dale stages. Yeah, I like the ascent for that tarmac uh, stage. And that that isn't that one of the most beautiful pieces of tarmac, even though it's like maybe two miles. Yeah, you know, and the, as I understand it, they have uh, like skateboard races down. Yes, they like, do. That's frightening, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> you know, racing up it is fun, but racing down it on a skateboard, I that's beyond me. <laughs> Beyond that, I am happy to see uh, that Olympus is back where it should be. You know, we we obviously raced some of those roads last year in Tour de Forest, but, you know, I, I was there when it was uh, out east by, like, Lewiston, like, way on the, like, Idaho, Oregon, Washington state line. And that was just, you know, open. I was in a PGT car back then. The joke was that I wish we would have brought, like, a, a novel to read on some of those stages. Because it was, you know, in a PGT car, it was, you know, 110 miles an hour and going flat through these farmlands, 1,000 crests, 1,000 crests, left two, 1,000 crests, 1,000 crests, left three. Like, you know, and that was the year. <laughs> One year we went way out east. Uh, maybe there was a second year. But, uh, you know, we came to the spectator area on that stage 
and everybody was doing donuts in the spectator area because uh, everybody was was beating hot time. And we were beating hot time in a 170 horsepower PGT car. Wow. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, that, that's pretty sad, actually. Oh, man. Because, so, yeah, because so, I mean, if you beat that hot time, for those that don't know, it everybody ends up with the same time. And so right. it doesn't really matter. You know, it's like th- this is the max average speed for this road, and you're just going to end up with the same time. Yeah, I get it. Um, you know, and I've been doing a lot of events, uh, CRS events, um, you know, recently uh, with Flynn and with a couple other folks. Um, but, you know, Prescott is certainly an event that's near and dear to me. Um, I really, really desperately hope they bring that back uh, next year because Prescott's just a, just such a fun rally. You know, the CRS folks are such a group, good group of people. Um, you know, I've been running Gorman and uh, High Desert Trails and Prescott for a lot of years. And so, you know, Prescott is really an event that I hope makes its way as a permanent staple um, on everybody's schedule. AJ, tell us about some East Coast events you've ventured out to, like that time with the Audi and everything. M- Mike, that's for stories, so you give him some stories. Come on. <laughs> so, uh, 2011 was uh, Mitch Williams and I's second uh, USRC championship, uh, the first one being 2008. And so 2011, you know, we so we won Gorman. We were podiumed on Prescott, which was a very tough field. That was David Sterzik, George Plasek, Mike Whitman in the Cosworth. There, there was a very strong field, and we actually caught a podium there. Um, so, you know, we were going to do the whole, the whole schedule, and that year dictated that, that we had to go to Rally New York to, you know, at least start the rally to get the championship. So, well, instead of towing out to New York a second time from Colorado, and if you know anything about Mitch Williams, he's probably like a the nicest person in rally, and B probably the snarkiest person in rally. Got a hold of Cyrus House, who lives in Burlington, and said, "Hey, can we borrow your Audi Coupe, your Quattro, to you know, essentially start the event?" And Cyrus graciously let us borrow the car, so. As I may have, as you may have remembered from earlier, when Mitch and I rent cars, it doesn't really end all that well. Uh, and I'll, so, I'll, I'll interrupt. You originally, before you did that, you wanted to borrow my car, which was which was being a Subaru. It was in pieces. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> I do. Um, so we ended up in Cyrus's car, and uh, so we 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 went out there. Mitch and I took a red eye, flew into uh, Laguardia. And then got a got a puddle jumper to Burlington, hopped in um, Cyrus's van, towing the Audi, and headed back towards New York. And so we didn't do recce. We got to registration. Uh, the car kind of had comms, not really. I had the set of Ivan tulips, which was interesting. And... You know, we're like, oh, we're going to start. And then we're just, you know, all we had to do is transit to the first stage and start. And and uh, Cyrus is like, oh, drive the first loop of stages and we'll put it back on the trailer and go back. So I mentioned, okay, we're first on the road. There's probably 40 to 50 cars entered. And so we transit out to the first stage. That car, that car is fast. You know, Audi with tons of boost. About 300 meters into the first first stage, there was a flat and then a flat jump. 
again, Ivan notes, and just flat corners after that. So Mitch sends it off the jump, lands, cracks two wheels, loses the exhaust, uh, flats one of the other wheels, and there was a spectator area, so we pulled off and that was it. But uh, yeah, that was that was Rally New York for us in 2011, which was a very very interesting DNF. I I don't know if that car is still around. Dimitri, is that one of the ones that uh, that Audi is? Is I'm that? Not, uh... I'm not sure. You know, you you started. I, I'll get sidetracked here. As we started talking about the van, I wonder if he has one of Buffum's old vans. That's more interesting. Screw the car. <laughs> that car was not really good. Did you? Uh, by the way, did you did you only need starting points at that event? Did you only need to start to win your championship or whatever you were going for? Is was that the case? Yeah, we just had to start, and then Cyrus yeah. convinced Mitch to drive a whole group of a whole loop of stages, and then we just load the car in at service and go back to Vermont. I, I and think, uh, yeah, speaking of the Audis, I'm I'm not aware of any running Coupe Quattro rally cars in uh, of that generation on the East Coast, so it probably isn't uh, around anymore. There's one out west. There's a Coupe Quattro out west in Washington, but that's got to be a different car. There was another Coupe Quattro in the southwest, but that, that one's not running before, <laughs> running anymore either. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have enough alcohol for that tonight. Oh, come on. <laughs> that's actually a sad story. It's not. There's nothing funny about it. It's... That car, that car is never going to see light of day again, and that's not, it's not good. Understood, understood. Uh, those things do unfortunately happen in the sport. Okay. Um, a friend of ours owns it, and he um, he bought it from somebody who is uh, well known in sport. The car is actually was a decent car. He ran. Uh, I ran. I had the honors of driving in a rallycross in 2017. Actually, that owner graciously let me, and then he took it to a rally to Prescott in 2017. And it ended very badly. He's lucky to be alive, as his co-driver is too, and the car is destroyed. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, well, you know, glad that glad that they at least made it out because uh, you know, I guess that the safety features are all for, of course. But uh, now, Dimitri, you obviously have a, have a long history, including uh, having uh, Alan Ockwell as your uh, co-driver, who is super well known. And as you've talked about Antoine and whatnot, uh, we talked to him back when he was doing that uh, that event. You talked about going to Estonia um, and, and whatnot, or Latvia, sorry. And <laughs> we all love Antoine. How did you get those connections? Because I mean, here you are, you're you know privateer, you know competitor yourself for a long time, and then you get involved with the big guys. <laughs> I'll, I'll preface by saying that I love Antoine a lot, as we we all do. Is uh, he's he's the the greatest. Uh, the greatest guy to represent uh, the North American and Canadian rally everywhere in the world. He's he's got his own, you know, chapter in the history of Canadian rally, which won't be won't be eclipsed anytime soon by anyone. He's a, sure. a very special talent. But but that's not that's not the only or the main reason why I respect the guy so much. We're good personal friends from a while ago. We've been doing this a very long time. We both had you know a lifelong passion for rallies. We just. Uh, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you when I first met Antoine or became friends with him. I, we, we, we don't keep a journal of it, but we've been uh, I've been favoring Canadian rallies, I must say, more than U.S. ones the uh, last 15 or so years or, or 20 years. So I've been, you know, bumping into him at every event. We became good friends. Uh, despite, you know, it, it doesn't matter that he's achieved more uh, than I ever will or anything like that or results. Or, you know, when we meet at the rallies, he starts a lot further ahead on the road than I do or ever will. But uh, it doesn't mean... You know, we're, we're, we're great friends. We have great mutual respect for each other. He's uh, 
he's as professional and awesome and cool as as anybody has any right to be. He's, he's a wonderful guy. He's a good good friend of mine. If he stops racing tomorrow, which he never will, but uh, you know, he's still gonna remain a good personal friend of mine. He's he's just a golden golden person. One of my, you know, Tra Travis Pastrana said that once in a video. There's a video going around about Antoine. He's one of my favorite human beings. I, I will say that. Uh, so I answered. I answered how I met him. Um, Alan was my co-driver for a few years, and uh, a lot of respect for that guy. He's. Uh, I he might. You know, I, I'm a statistics guy. I'm a numbers guy. I haven't looked lately. I'm not sure if Alan is the uh, the most successful Canadian co-driver ever. He might be. He might. Dan Sprongle might be. I'm not sure. I'll have to look at the at the statistics. I don't know. But lately, last 20 years or so, there's no question about it. He, uh, Alan is uh, Alan's a five-time national champion. I think he might be a North American champion. Alan was my co-driver. Uh, you wanted stories. There's an interesting story how I hooked up with Alan. Uh, 2001, when I wasn't really anybody, I was not very well known or anything. I didn't have a budget. I, I ran a little... Uh, two-wheel drive Volkswagen Golf in production class in Canada. So I show up for this rally. It's a Black Bear rally. It's a very good event, uh, a single road event. You know, they run it back and forth for like ten, uh, five times each way, 10 stages. So I show up for that. And um, same story has happened in 2008 that AJ brought up that I, I didn't have a co-driver. So I show up to the event anyway. I drag the rally car there. I'm sitting at tech inspection. You know, all the formalities are done. The car is good. Car is sitting there idling. I, I'm in a suit. I don't have a co-driver. So this wonderful, great, friendly Canadian rally community, Ontario community, they start looking around. And Alan's dad, Mark Ockwell, he was a chief scrutineer for the event. So he scratches his head and says, I, I think I know a guy who might know what he's doing. The guy has no experience, but we'll get him a, we'll borrow a suit. We'll borrow somebody's helmet. And we'll put him in the car. So out comes this kid, 18 years old at the time. Wow. It, it's a true story. True story. Every word of it. Uh, out comes this kid in big shoes, you know, a, a bit goofy looking, I must say. Very shy. Alan, Alan is still... Alan is the, the, the shyest, most... Um, he's going to kill me for saying this. He is the most humble and uh, respectful and just wonderful celebrity that I've met in this sport. Still to this day. I talk to him often. So out comes Alan, and he's never he, he ran one rally before where they made like one stage and they DNF'd. So they they borrow a helmet somewhere, they borrow a suit, which is too big for him, he straps in the car. And th those were the days of tulips where you rely on, on the computer or on in the rally car, you know, trip computer mm -hmm. to to mark off distances. So we are sta we're standing on a, on the start line, first stage. We drove out to the first stage. He's nervous. I'm nervous. But, you know, I had to give it all I, all I could. So we start the stage, and he goes, oh, no, the auto isn't working. The computer quit on the start line and wouldn't come on again. So Alan just sat there and just, just held <clears throat> held the root book in front of him and just basically didn't say much. He couldn't. <laughs> you just drove the lines of the cars in front of you? We finished sixth overall out of maybe like 15 or 17 entries, and we won production that day. I have no idea how we did that. Um, so we, then we, we ran on and off for a few years after that with him and, uh, most uh, exclusively in Canada, actually, I was, I was going to say mostly in Canada. No, it was exclusively in Canada. He didn't come down to the States much in those years. N neither one of us has any, had any money at the time. Both had jobs and, you know, we, we couldn't, we couldn't go big, but we ran regional and sometimes some national Canadian events and fast forwarding to 2004, um, Tall Pines 2004, in Ontario it was a very special interesting event it was one of Ken Block's first rallies I think 
maybe his very first. It was the first rally that Antoine won nationally, all four pines, and it was me and Alan won the regional portion of that rally outright overall in that production Volkswagen. 129 horsepower Volkswagen, losing the gearbox on the last stage, and we also placed fourth overall, like a, only a few seconds shy of the podium. We um, we had to drag the car, we had to push the car onto the finished podium. It only had fourth gear, and the wow. clutch was working, so we had to just like operate the start and have people push to get the car up on the podium. After the reason I'm uh, telling this story, Alan, it's it's his own his own recollection of how it happened. After that event, he started getting phone calls, big important phone calls that changed his rally career and life eventually. So that's how we hooked up. Ironically, uh, since that event in 2004, we haven't run a rally together yet. He went on to bigger fish. <laughs> uh, I, I, no, I keep, I keep, I keep okay. talking to him. I keep talking to him about it. We, we're, we're gonna do that. We're gonna do a reunion. We're gonna, we're That'll gonna be do fun. Something. Good. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely gonna do. Excellent. So again, huge, huge mutual respect, and uh, this is how it happened. This is a story. Well, AJ, you've got to, you got to lay a story on us. Um, so you talked about a little bit uh, the East Coast side. Um, obviously, you've done a lot of co-driving. You've done any driving? Um, yes, <laughs> I <laughs> built a Volvo. An 87 Volvo turbo brick um, in 2006, 2005, somewhere in there. And I promptly um, drove it very aggressively. We had this, uh, we used to have a test track out east of Denver in uh, Deer Trail, Colorado, called Core. And Core built us a 12-mile, uh, all together with all the circuits, 12 miles of different rally surfaces, elevation change, jumps, tightening corners, decreasing radius, opening, closing, everything. Everything you could imagine a rally stage, they built it for us out there, which was amazing because we just spend time and time and time and time again. So my newly built Volvo, um, I took it out there and I was trying to catch Mitch in uh, the rally car, in his rally car, in the Subaru, in a Volvo, in a 87 Volvo. And uh, he, so I came a little bit too hot in one of said decreasing radius corners. And I, like, I not only rolled it, I rolled it really, really spectacularly. You know, when you roll a car, it's a very interesting experience. You know, it's sky earth, sky earth, sky earth, sky earth. Like, when is this going to end? And fortunately for me, it was Sky Earth probably three times, four times. I came down on my wheels, and the car started again somehow. There was no windows. There was every dented body panel you can imagine. And uh, I probably said, you know what? Maybe I'm better on the right seat in the silly seat of the car. I went to the junkyard, replaced all the panels on it, uh, made sure the motor was in good running condition, and sold it. Uh, to this day, I am regretting that sale. I'm trying to find the person that bought the Volvo um, because I would love to buy that car back. But uh, yeah, that was my uh, limited driving of the car. And so, you know, I just found a lot more luck and a lot more fun on the right side of the car. Uh, I, I have a stupid, ignorant question here because I, li I live and rally out here in the middle, in the middle of America. 
What's what's middle cog? I should have asked this earlier on, but you were on a roll. And uh, what's middle <laughs> cog rally? With my, with my Subaru jokes, with my self-inflicted Subaru jokes. Middle cog was a stage at the cog rally that's on the that was on the north side of Highway 40 outside of Steamboat. Um, usually we ran it twice, one way and three times the other way. Um, it's it's a very sketchy stage. Um, there's mountain on one side of the road. A very slight, a uh, very cobbly road, and on the other side is a canyon, in essence. And it's 11 miles, 12 miles long. Um, and there's been people like uh, Matt Johnson um, has not had a lot of luck on that stage. Um, you know, there's been. I, I, I really think that that horrendous three car crash in 2004 was on middle cog but yeah it's a it's a very technical stage um but at the same time it can be very fast um it can be dry and quick or it can be slimy and rainy and that was just the conditions that cog always had did you tell ian it was part of the colorado cog rally that isn't run anymore did you did you like provide him the encyclopedia i don't think Ian was around in this country back then were you Ian? you were you didn't come around later uh i I didn't get here until like nine. I didn't get here until 1998. But then again, I didn't start rallying until like 2015, which is quite embarrassing when you think about the fact that I've loved rally like you, like you, Dimitri. I've loved rally since I was a kid. I mean, I remember, I remember the RAC rally in in England back in the early 1970s. So it's taken me an awful long time to get into the silly seat of a rally car. Yeah, this 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 would have been later on. That they stopped running that rally in the mid two thousands, and uh, I have a little bit of a connection to it. I've never run it, and I've never even been there. But my uh, my car, my old blue Evil Four, which you guys might have seen in the pictures, the one that AJ keeps wanting to get into. That car, I bought that car after its previous owner uh, had a hard crash on that stage that you're talking about, AJ. You know that. Uh, that car was nearly destroyed in 05, and the owner put it up for sale before he even fix, fixed uh, it completely. Before he finished fixing it, he uh, he just offered it for sale. I bought it, and I got the car like nine months later all fixed up. So uh, I know about that road, all about that stage. I've never been on it, but my car has. And uh, yeah, AJ is a driver, and I, if you, uh, Mike, if you looked on the WRC profile, uh, I have a co-driver profile there as well. I did. Look I did good. notice that. Yeah, I was mm. going to bring that up next. I have my my, my my vast connections all over the world. They're not only Canadian celebrities and, and wonderful rally people and all, all you guys. I I also have very good uh, very good rapport with uh, with EWRC staff. They they email me for clarifications and 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 questions and stuff. So uh, I I do my little part what I can and updating the the, the database there. So. Can thank me for that too. I've I've done a few of those myself with those guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sure. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, what was it like uh, switching seats then? I, uh, you know, this th th these stories aren't going to be anything exciting because that was long ago. That was in, in early 2000s, and my my only two times when I was a real co-driver, like at a proper stage event, not a rally sprint or anything. My real rally co-driving. It was only limited to, I think it was like Rally New York or whatever it was called back in 2001 or 2002 when we ran on tulips. So the, in the words of one old Canadian rally champion, uh, 
Alain Bergeron, he was once he was once asked, "What's it like? You know, is it is it a scary job to be?" Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, it was his co-driver that said that. Is it scary to be a co-driver? He said, "No, well, co-driving." Uh, this is how he described co-driving. He says, it's the best spectator seat in a sport. It's the best spectator seat you can buy. So before before recce, before stage notes, before pace notes in this in North America, co-driving was just you, you sit there, you hold the root book, and, you, and you're scared. Uh, guys, <laughs> Dennis Frongel's probably going to kill me for this or unfriend me or something, but uh, that's what it amounted to. So that's what I did for that event uh, in 2001 or two, and we, we DNF'd, the car broke, but uh, the, for what it's worth, the Irish guy that I was, that I was co-driving for, at the end, he said we were having beers, and he said I am the best co-driver he's ever had, but I don't, I, I wouldn't put much credibility into that it's not really beer talking yeah <laughs> and and then if you notice on that profile what's really special is in 2014 i believe yeah it was 2014 i went to russia i was invited to russia to uh, to participate in this rally masters show that they have it's more of a it's not really a very big sporting event racing wise it's just a really a big show for for the people, for the fans, it, it has a, a few tarmac special stages, which are basically a couple of them are around a stadium and then on some bike roads in Moscow. But but the people who get invited there are, are sometimes they're celebrities. Toshi was, arrived. Was that, was that when uh, Evgeny Novikov was still big? Novikov was big, and he was he was uh, he he sort of came out of retirement to drive that one. Yes, Evgeny's a good friend of mine too. Um, uh, but I I was a co-driver, and I use that term very loosely, a quote unquote, a co-driver for uh, the the junior Arai, Hiroki Arai. I said oh, yeah. the car yeah. that provided, and we did a few laps around the, the tarmac stages there, and we just laughed. It was they didn't give us a rally car; they gave us a, a, an STI, a plain STI, and he kept laughing that he couldn't shut off the traction control completely. I guess that's not. You would know more than I do. I guess I guess you can't really shut it off completely. So that kept interfering, and we had no helmets on. And we drove around, and we just joked that we, they should have given us a Mitsubishi instead. It was all good fun. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to get a point across that like we we weren't really it wasn't really a rally that we were running where I was reading notes or being useful. Just just good natured fun between friends. But it's on my record. I co-drove for Hiroki Arai. That's pretty damn cool. Huh? Yeah, yeah. A little bit more claim to fame there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, speaking about Dimitri in Moscow, if I might interlude for a second. Um, so I know I told you maybe, Mike, earlier that, uh, you know, I asked Dimitri after several fireballs on a trip to Phoenix. I said, Dimitri, I have a question for you. Did you bring the Moscow mule to the U.S.? And stone cold, straight faced Dimitri says, no, comrade. No, no, no. <laughs> I, but I did bring the Long Island iced tea to Moscow. <laughs> and so that was, uh, you know, Dimitri and I, we had a really, really bad race uh, where we were finally going to hook up, you know, in Prescott a couple of you know, several years back. And, you know, I, I really did get to know him, you know, through that event, which was a good time. But, yeah, that was just one of the many uh, interesting, fun stories that you... Dimitri becomes a more of a man of mystery, if anything, the more you get to know him. <laughs> yes, he, he, uh, he claims to be in the medical field, but, you know, he's high-end European cars. Uh, question, is, is your car registered as an Evo, or is it registered as a Mirage? Is your rally car? Senator, I have no recollection of what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. You know, like one of my fondest actually. Well, let me let me backtrack a little bit. One of my fondest, you know, rally experiences in the eastern part of the U.S. Uh, probably the what Mitch and I always used to, who Mitch and I always used to call the Irish, the Irish mafia. You know, Seamus and the Donnellys and that whole crowd. And you know, we got immersed into a ring of fire with those guys because you know you show up to any event in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, and they show up with four uh, older model Evos on a trailer, all painted identically. And, you know, they have, they run businesses like cement pouring and asbestos removal, you know. I was, I was really close with the New York uh, East Coast uh, Irish community. They still love me to this day and I love them right back. Yes, they, they used to call me the Russian Tom Lawless. Tom Lawless was the, the prominent figure there in the, in the, in the rally world around here. Yes, yes. The Irish, ah, so wonderful. Well, by the way, Mike, Mike, you're you're doing a very good job of hiding the fact that you're a Russian spy, judging by how well you pronounce Novikov's name and my name. You're not supposed to do that. You're gonna blow the cover. You're too good. <laughs> so I guess AJ, um, kind of going back to you, uh, you talked about doing Pikes Peak hill climbs, and there's got to be some stories from Pikes Peak. I mean, that you were doing it before it was all tarmac. Yeah, so the last time I ran Pikes Peak was in 2007, and it was, uh, man, sometimes I feel like rally isn't good for my uh, my health, but, um, <laughs> so, or your liver, or your pocketbook. Yeah, so I, so it was about half and half paved in, in gravel in 2007, and uh, I got hooked up with a gal by the name of Joanna Balsamo. If you try and look for her in rally or elsewhere, you won't find her. Um, but she was big in like the in Southern California scenes. She had done Rim of the World, Treeline, Prescott uh, in the early and mid two thousands. And uh, she, it's actually a really long story too. And it ends up with a bad Subaru joke. Oh, sh- hey. <laughs> Don't they um, all? So yeah. So she she had a 05 STI. And she shipped it out to Denver because she got hooked up with Mitch when he had checkpoint racing and he's still living in Denver. And um, he says, oh, I have a great navigator. And uh, at that time was questionable because my crash to finish ratio was uh, pretty high. So I I kind of got uh, voluntold for this position because he and Troy Mata, who runs a, well, used to run an incredibly successful Subaru uh, shop in Denver. Um, so they're going to sponsor her to run Pike's Peak, and I got put in the co-driver seat. So she ships the car out from L.A. I went to the hub in Denver to go pick up the car and take it to Mitch's shop, which is which was in Dun- which uh, like North Denver. And so we get the car to Mitch's shop, and she has all of her stuff in it from probably Rim of the World Rally three years before that. And so there's just junk everywhere. Among the things that I find in that car when I get to Mitch's shop is a 22 revolver that ended up in the trunk of the car. How? I have no idea. So the, the car gets reprepped. Um, Troy does an amazing job prepping the car. And then it just turns into this weird sequence of events that week. I don't know if you know anything about how Pikes Peak used to work, but you, so there was, you would, you would qualify in the, bottom, middle, and top of the mountain and get cut in three sections. And you would have to be through the entry gates at 2.30 in the morning, and then you would get to your designated section, 
And then you'd run as many times as you want until like six in the morning or seven in the morning. Then you had to be off the mountain through the gates by a certain time or you'd get a fine. Well, by the time you wake up at, you know, one in the morning and run up and down Pikes Peak a bunch of times in the dark, mind you, you know, you kind of put in a whole day's work. So what do you do at eight o'clock in the morning? Naturally, you start drinking. Because that's your evening, of course. And so it was was just this weird, like, I don't know. it, It was just a really bizarre week. And it culminated into the race day where we trailered the car up to Crystal Reservoir, got the car... Uh, got the toe straps off and we're going to go start the car. Well, where are the car keys? She left them in the hotel room back in Colorado Springs. Which is how many, how far away? Hours wise? I I mean, like an hour. I don't know, 45 minutes. Hour each way. Yeah, Yeah, hour each way. And so Troy Mata is probably one of the nicest people you'd ever meet. And he's just just an amazing guy. He serviced our car, missionized car, uh, Subaru for... 10 years, uh, both the GC and the, and the blob by STI. He had uh, kind of a rough past um, and he knew how to hotwire cars. So what did we do? We hotwired the rally car. Rough past. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have stories about rally drivers in this country having a really rough past, but I'm not going to get into this on this podcast. And so he, he hotwires her car. And so the whole time, you know, we took a start the whole time running up the mountain. Um, so that's the same corner that is Engineer's Corner down on the bottom part of the mountain. Ken Gushi, you know, Ken Gushi went straight on Engineer's Corner off the mountain. And it's a hairpin left, and he went straight somehow. And Ken was driving, and uh, Mr. Gushi, his, his dad was co-driving, and they were both okay. But they, they went for a – they sent it off the mountain. We'll put it that yeah. way. So we actually, I don't know how she pulled this off, but she stalled the car on, on engineer's corner. And I'm sitting here racing up Pike's Peak with a flathead screwdriver stuffed into my, into my like right leg. And so she's calling for the, scoot, the screwdriver to restart, to re-hotwire the car on race day going up Pike's Peak. We, we did that two more times. One more time on Devil's Playground-ish area. And then, of course, to get the car back down the mountain. But yeah, that was that was the last time I ran Pikes Peak, and uh, you know, it was it was fun in the gravel sections, but a rally car, you know, a, a open class at that time, Rally America rally car going to Pikes Peak was just plain boring. I don't know. This Maybe is a great big? story. This is a great story. I love yes, it. Yeah, so hotwire car, flathead screwdriver, hotwiring the car going up the mountain. It's yeah, that was the last time. That was the last time I did Pikes Peak. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dimitri, what did you ever do any co climb type things, or uh, just stick with the stage rallies? Uh, speaking of current events, I wish this coronavirus thingy didn't throw a wrench in the work, so to speak. We, um, I, I really was never a, a big fan of any kind of helm climbs, but I've never, I've never done one or seen one, and I had all the plans to go to Mount Washington this year because my um, 
my other hero, uh, we already mentioned Antoine and a bunch of other guys. There is another hero on the East Coast, Andrew Havas. No doubt you've heard about that guy, who is uh, he's a great personal friend of mine. He actually maintains my uh, my racing stuff, my car and, and everything. And he um, he bought a car, a special hill climb car for a lot of money uh, to compete, specifically to compete in this year's uh, Climb to the Clouds. And I had every intention of going there this year. And now it looks like it might it might not happen. I, I don't know if it's it's if, if it's starting to look like it'll happen again. I don't know, but uh, I really wanted to go there and get a taste for that. I've never driven one or even like been anywhere near that stuff. So, so who is that again? Because the name I think Andrew sounds Havas H A V A S Andrew Havas. He's um, had a record there for many years with a Honda CRX. And okay. he also had some legendary Mazda RX-7s that he used to drive all over North America. He's a, he's quite a legend, but I want to say, no, le, le, we, we're overusing the term legend here today. Uh, <laughs> he, he was a legend maybe to folks who were involved in the earlier years, late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, he, same as myself, he didn't compete in the late 2000s until until recently he hasn't. So you might not know him, but you, you you'll meet him, you'll never forget the guy. So yeah, he's incredibly capable. He bought. He. I'm not gonna. I'm not supposed to go into details. I'm not gonna spill all the beans here. But he bought a high dollar STI special hill climb car. I'm also not gonna tell anybody who he bought it from or for for how much. But it's special. It's fast, and this guy can surprise people. So like Sprongles had a record on that uh, hill climb, and he had a two wheel drive record. I think I believe in a Honda CRX. And he, if he makes it next time, he makes it out there this year or next year. He's gonna make a lot of noise, both figuratively speaking and literally. Gonna be interesting. Well, sounds exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta meet that guy. I, t- I tell you what, Mike and Ian, you should, you guys should have a podcast with him. That, there'll be stories there. You mentioned the the, uh, the EWRC results website several times, and I've been I've been leafing through this while while you've been talking. And uh, you have competed a couple of times back in your in in your home country, back in back in Russia. I mean, how did how did the rallies back then compare? Did you say. What was a, what was a rally like in Russia compared to the to uh, to the r- rallies in Canada? Because I see like what in two thousand three you did Tall Pines, mm-hmm. and then you also did Bellinocchi. Mm-hmm. Um, probably yes. I probably butchered that. But how does how did the organisation of events differ across across the world? Um, I, I won't beat around the bush. I won't try to be politically correct or anything. Um, it, it, I was really very impressed that I continue to be today. Uh, uh, the level, well, you, you didn't specifically ask this, you didn't ask me what the level of competition was like, uh, because that's the main difference. Uh, I'll, answer you, I'll answer your question directly first. As far as organization and how it differs, I really, I won't. Um, I won't say anything bad or negative about North American events. They're nicely organized. The organizers are all friends of mine, and I've been competing here, and I plan to continue. There's nothing wrong with uh, most of the North American events. It's not like they're bad. But uh, the, the main difference is in the level of competition. 
I hate doing this. I got to bring up Antoine's name again in his podcast. He mentioned how he's impressed with, with the level of competition there. It, it's, it's every bit of that is true. Uh, and I was struck by it uh, long before he was. Uh, I, my first, Ian mentioned correctly, my, my first White Knights rally in Russia was actually in 2001 when I just, uh, on my limited budget, I just packed a suitcase with my underwear, my helmet, and uh, I even carried gravel tires with me in the luggage. True story. I carried used <laughs> gravel tires with me because they wanted too much money in Russia, and I wasn't. I didn't have money for four new tires, so I brought four very used, <laughs> very used Michelins with me from JFK Airport. I bought. I bought an EC. I, I brought an ECU and four gravel tires, four Michelins. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm laughing myself because I almost forgot about it 20 years later. Uh, uh, so yeah, that was my first White Knights rally in a golf. Uh, we didn't make it very far, but I was thoroughly impressed with the level of competition there. The guys went faster, and uh, oh, there's there's so much I can say about that. They're still mm -hmm. faster there, and we all know it. And um, I've been thinking all day today about this one phrase that uh, another. I keep name dropping here. People are gonna hate me. It's, it, I, I'm not trying to sound. You, fancy. you are. You are the king of name droppers tonight. I, know, I, know, I, know. I feel terrible about it because people are just gonna. People are gonna think that I'm faking this, but I'm not. Um, John <laughs> Buffum is is a very. Uh, he doesn't need any introduction. I hope here. Uh, he, he he is he really is a legend. He's probably the only guy who's worthy of that term currently in North America. Maybe Antoine a second. Um, uh, Buffon once said when he was asked, "Is there anything that you would do differently in your you know years if you could go back with a time machine and you could do something different? Is there anything you would have done differently?" And he kind of said that not really, but if I if I wanted to be an even better, more successful rally driver, I should have just gone and lived in Europe. Which which he, he didn't do for other reasons, and he doesn't he, he didn't say he regrets it. He just said that I would have done that and it would have helped. So I, I I'll, I'll kind of sign my name under that. You know, you uh, if I wanted to if if I years ago I dropped everything and went to Russia and just decided to be nothing but a faster rally driver, it would have worked. The the, the level is different. So Ian, that if yeah. that answers your question, yeah, they 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 blew me. They totally. I don't know if it's the right expression. They totally blew me out of the water. They they blew my mind. They. I mean, they they were they were so much faster. Plus, the roads tend to be more technical, right? I'm guessing similar to other places in Europe, the Russian roads are probably tighter and narrower, and just because it's just older there, or are they actually pretty wide. Not necessarily. You know, oh, okay. you know I, 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 instead of answering a question directly, I'll say I'll say this. Uh, this has been confirmed by other people who went to Europe. I'm not going to mention names anymore now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, uh, the, the the one thing about North American rally, which we enjoy, which is great, and people have confirmed this, we have the best variety of stages in the world, different kinds of stage roads. We have that. They don't. They the whole the whole Russian. I mean, as far as Russian, as as much as Russians are awesome and fast, and they're on a different level than we are. They, their national championship, we believe, right now only consists of like five or six events. Uh, we have we have a lot more here. We have Canada and Mexico mm. and U.S. combined, and there's different roads here. I mean, Higgins says that, like Oliver Solberg, I think, has said that there's a great variety of roads. This is excellent. No, no, no it's Ian. It's not like they have faster roads or tighter roads. They have they they have both too. But it's uh, we have the best variety here. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. So would would you would you like to go back again? Because I see you've not you haven't been there for like what ten ten years plus maybe. 
I would absolutely, I would absolutely go again with maybe one reservation here. With as far as uh, as far as this conversation is concerned, I can be like very frank with you. I might be just maybe I don't know if it's the right word to use. I might be embarrassed to go because uh, they they did kick my ass again. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair I enough. Ass kicked there, and then they'll they'll probably do it again. They, you know, for, um, I, I don't know if anyone is, if anybody is worthy of going over to Eastern Europe to their events and their level and not be embarrassed. I mean, this guy went. I'm not gonna mention names. This guy went and he did okay. He did great. But I, I, I'm nowhere near there. They, they, they kicked my butt. I would go, but, but it would, it won't be, yeah. a, it won't be anything to brag about. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to do the experience sometimes, you know, uh, just to, just to be on those roads and. And be among the the group out there competing for sure. That's got to be something. Organization, the organization though. I'll give I'll give a plug to the Canadians. Uh, people are gonna love hearing this. Uh, and my current co-driver, this guy Mike Shevchik, who's uh, from the West Coast. Yep. I was gonna say I finally know how to pronounce his name correctly. It took me years to well, not years, but a couple of events to get uh, Shevchik figured out. <laughs> you, just, you just put it into two English words, Shevchik. That's it. Yep. Shevchik. He actually <laughs> so, yeah, did that Shevchik. specifically for me because. Because I had to call him out on a podium, and I butchered it the first time. Have you really done that? Okay. Oh yes. Another, uh, him great... and I are good friends now, though, so uh, it's all good. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome guy, and he's very talented. And I and I predict I have I have this kind of a crystal ball ability. I predict uh, future champions. I did that with Alan. I did. I predicted that uh, Dave Schindel would be great, and he was. And uh, Mike is definitely a champion in the making. And um, and he can't hear this, so I can say it. Uh, so I, I must give a plug to the Canadian organizer. When we went and did Beta Chalures this year, that was the first time outside of Europe that I experienced like um, a world-class WRC European-style treatment. We were treated, we were treated like rock stars. There was there was girl, beautiful girls on the podiums. There was lights. There was a concert going on. There was nearly, I think, almost fireworks and everything. The whole town was there. Uh, sometimes you can get that t the, the, a taste of that in Canada or maybe someplace else in North America too. Sometimes you can. I, I think we need that party aspect for sure. I think uh, just to amp things up a bit for sure. Yeah. So I mean, my my, my real question is uh, is that uh, you both both you but Dimitri and AJ you've both been in this game a long time I mean you've seen many changes probably from SCCA pro rally through rally America and all the way to the ARA now and uh, how, how do you see how do you see the way the sports been developing over the years um you go AJ you go yeah that's a good question um you know I I, I kind of thought it was going to be status quo you know, moving Rally America to ARA where it was, you know, two big kids on the playground and then ARA just kind of, or I mean, sorry, Rally America just kind of fizzling. But, you know, if you look at, you know, entry lists, uh, maybe it's the economy, maybe it's uh, people building more cars. I, I'm not sure. But if you look at like the 100 Acre Wood entry list, if you look at some of these other events that are going on right now that... Uh, are drawing big numbers of entries, you know, it's, it's promising. I think um, I personally have really enjoyed being around ARA so far for my personal experience, um, you know, Idaho, Colorado, uh, some of the other events that are under the um, umbrella of ARA um, really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I raced rally America since rally America started 
um, and then I, you know, not competing, but around SCCA as well. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm hopeful and I'm optimistic that, you know, as far as rallying in the U.S., um, you know, the entry list just keep getting deeper and keep uh, the competition keeps increasing um, because there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different aspects and a lot of different events that are unique to different parts of the country. Which, you know, uh, I, can, I, can I interrupt and open a can of worms? You don't do you not agree or think that it goes in cycles? Like that's that's been like discussed and mentioned on on uh, internet recently. You you don't think so? You don't notice that or agree with that? And that's a question uh, to everybody, everybody actually. I I agree with it. Uh, like boom and bust, you know. Yeah. Um, what do you think I, we are now? You can only be you can only help but being optimistic, right? Of course, we're hoping to diversify to go, you know, race, you know, with what little rally schedule we may or may not have left this year. You know, of course, we were planning on 100 Acre Woods, Olympus, Oregon. You know, those have either been rescheduled or outright canceled. So we're hoping to maybe make it to, you know, like uh, Can Canadian events later in the year, you know, as well, and maybe venture north. You keep promising Canadian events to me and never, <laughs> never did that yet. <laughs> Well, now that we have the, the, the 10, you know, now that we have the Evo, <laughs> kind of a budget, you know. <laughs> you know, you're asking about the uh, boom and bust thing, uh, you know, from my end. Yeah, I've seen a few cycles already. And even though I just started to get involved in 2010, but, you know, a little bit of the history. And it, it does do that. Obviously, economics is part of it. But, you know, rallying is a very expensive form of uh, a cost per mile that you get to compete in as far as motorsport is very high. It's it's pretty easy for somebody to switch and say, you know what, I'm just going to do like Spec Miata at the you know racetracks, um, which is also a great sport. I know people that do that, and uh, it's really close competition and things like that. I, I think that uh, I, I think people have seen that there's been positivity going forward. Um, yeah. You know, since that kind of unification of the events again, I've seen a little bit of the inside being an organizer as well. And mm -hmm. seeing the level of professionalism that ARA has been trying to bring in, trying to be more in line with how Europe does things in some ways. I mean, obviously, we don't want to be exactly like them. Uh, we're a lot more grassroots in some ways than they are. But, uh, but in some ways, I think it's been a big benefit and how they're trying to organize and run events and trying to, um, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, make sure that all events have proper, you know, uh, safety plans in place instead of, you know, something written on the back of somebody's hand. Um, you know, all these different things that are requirements for an event to run. You have to have a designated clerk of the course. You have to have a designated, and this is the role that they have to do. They have to do these certain things. These are all behind the scenes stuff that most people don't know. And I think having that organizational level increases the quality of the sport overall and can draw more people to it. Uh, I'll touch on this. This this likely will get edited out now, but I'll say <laughs> <You call laughs> bullshit. I'm okay with that. Or or, or me or, or or don't do it. I'll be it doesn't doesn't bother me. Uh, as far as like you may you started Mike you started following the sport around 2010 or so. You say right. You uh -huh. haven't you haven't seen me compete in ARA. I have never actually run an ARA rally. I've run Rally America stuff. I've never done ARA. Uh, around 2009 or so, uh, ARA technical committee. I'm not going to mention any names here, and I shouldn't be, and I'm not. Uh, no, there's no, there's no 
personal beef between me and them or anything, but they at some point made an arbitrary, uh, arbitrary decision that the roll cage material in my rally car, which was built by the best professionals in the business, which the car was built in the late 90s, uh, my old rally car, my old blue Mitsubishi Evo, which all you guys all have seen, uh, suddenly in 2009, they had concerns that the roll cage material was no longer acceptable and they've sent out letters and bulletins and they've made it a they really haven't made it a rule but they've made um i should say like a sub rule or a subsection in the rules about it which isn't i'm not sure if it's very public or it's just uh, uh i mean i'm not sure if it really withstand the legal scrutiny because it's 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 just it's it's almost it almost personally singles out my car and attacks it uh they don't want a chromoly uh, chromoly alloy cage in a car anymore well you haven't seen my car but but before you before you even think too much about it i will add quickly add that uh it has been fine for canadian organizers and canadian scrutineers and it has a i've, I've cleared it with cars you know the canadian authorities this should be edited out uh and and, and in many parts of the world they still uh, they still race with freaking bolt-in cages so it's it all depends on how you approach it i'm just I'm just sort of like making apologies and excuses why you guys haven't seen my car at any ARA events ever. Uh, last time my car ran Rally America was uh, October in 2008. And since then, it's been either nothing or run in Canada. So that's that's that. But I'm not I'm not looking to pick a fight or start a political thing here. And mm -hmm. and even the guy and even the very guy who who is responsible for it, who made this, who who has the concerns. He's a great friend of mine, friends on Facebook, friends in real life. I've known him for 20 or 25 years or whatever. We have a beer at events and, and all that. But he just says, I don't want that roll cage and that material used. You know, I don't want you to race there. Put a new cage and come back and I welcome you. Let's have another beer. Uh, but that's that's how it is with me. So I, AJ knows the story. I'm not sure if you guys knew it. So that's why you haven't seen me race in U.S. Well, except for Prescott. You haven't seen me race in the U.S. for a while. Well, you know, and, and, and I get that. And, you know, one thing that I've said countless times on this podcast is, you know, we're often uh, more recognized as the land of the lawyers and the land of the free here <laughs> when it comes to the U.S., right? So, you know, this is here's an interesting thing that a lot of people don't realize, you know, we've gone to this two pass recce thing and you guys have been through all the years of different uh, notes and things like that until now we've got uh, where some of the events are saying, Hey, you know what? We want to do nothing but make your own notes. Well, That's why would they do that? Why would they want to do that? Well, interestingly enough, those notes have to be insured as AJ actually uh, happened to uh, talk about that. There was a wrong note in, in what they had in their notebook. Uh, that was pre-created notes from mm -hmm. the event. Well, mm -hmm. there's a liability with that, right? And so if you can imagine event, uh, you know, having to make insurance on those Gemba cre created notes, that's a cost. And that's why they charge for those notes, obviously. But um, the, the easiest solution is, you know what? You guys make your own notes. You make your own mistake. It's your fault. Uh, yeah, there, there's there's so much that can be said said about that. The um, uh, AJ was right, and I was gonna I was gonna not interrupt him, but add to the story when he mentioned in 2004 and 2005 there was actually a history of 
of bad crashes on bad Jamba notes. As much as I love Jamba when I use them because it's it's better than tulips. If you have if you, right. if you have tulips or Jamba and not Reiki, you would pick Jamba. Uh, Sprongle Brothers crashed out west on a very bad Jamba note on a bad corner at Rocky Mountain in 2005, and so did Antoine. If anybody. Uh, I'm sorry, I use the name again. If anybody, um, if anybody follows my Facebook closely, they, they, they were, there were crash picture, pictures recently posted, which nobody saw before. Those two guys crashed bad, bad on a bad, shitty Jemba note in 2005. That was eye-opening. Mm -hmm. you, you didn't know that, AG? You, you look surprised. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I do. I do know that story, yeah. Yeah. And the, in the Colorado, I, I think a similar thing happened. I personally have nothing against Jemba notes, but um, Reiki is good. And and there's a personal thing with me too. And this is this is really very personal. I am not, I'm not. I lack confidence in my note making abilities because I went to Russia in the early 2000s, as Ian suggested. He looked it up, and 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 I realized I I, I just don't know how to make notes. I suck. Those guys have been running for 20, 30 years and with nothing but their own notes. One guy, it's, it's hilarious. One guy I met there, he was a, I was a Volkswagen guy, so I had Volkswagens. And he was also, um, he was a big Volkswagen rally racer there. And he ran the shop that I ran my car out of in 2001. And I went off the road and um, he looked at some pictures or something, photos I provided from North America. And he said, wait, I heard you guys run just a root book there. So, I mean, what, what do you, you guys, you guys don't have notes. You guys don't have Reiki. You still use a co-driver? And he asked that question seriously. He was, <laughs> just, we, we were alone in the car. He was, wow. Russian guys who's never been outside the country. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so as far as, far as that, um, and also another thing I wanted to touch on, going back to your question, Ian, great question, improving the sport. What, I, what I'm all about lately, and I've, I've been wanting to say this publicly for a long time, um, uh, a great great thing we can do, what, what I can do is what I've been devoting myself to lately is like we took Antoine to, well, Antoine took himself, but we took, uh, we, took uh, uh, we took Canadian champions to Latvia and they didn't suck. They did great. They, mm -hmm. they, they had a good performance and they were well respected over there. Antoine was being too shy in his podcast and his interviews about uh, he didn't think that people were impressed. They were impressed. They were impressed when they came to Canada and couldn't beat them. They were impressed when they saw his onboards. They were impressed when they when they invited him over there. He was a celebrity. I like stuff like that happening. I like things. I like like you, uh, the Russian spy here, Mike. He, uh, you brought up Novikov's name. You brought up some other names. Um, I, 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 great. This this is so great. Like this guy, Maris Neikshans, the Latvian champion. He came over in 2016 and 17, right, AJ? He he showed people what he can do, and we 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 realized we we are not. All of us in North America, with the exception of Buffum and Antoine Lestage, are on a on, on you know a couple of steps below. We we can't do what they do. Um, bringing them over there and bringing our best people all over to I mean bringing them over here and bringing our best people to them in Europe and trying to uh, kind of intermingle and, and compare. That's that's the best thing that happens. So you know further. Like working off of Mike's thoughts and Novikov and everybody, um, like getting some Russian or old Soviet people over here for a rally or two or five, that would be so awesome. That's that's something that you know if, if I can ever make that happen, and I can, and I'm friends with enough of them and the people here that I could, we could probably work on something like that. That would be so awesome. That would be such such a, a a thing for the sport that I'm very passionate about. That would be so beneficial. So to everybody's progress, that's um, Ian touched on that. What what can we do to better the sport? This, this. 
Oliver coming here was was the, the single mm-hmm. most thing, right? In the years, right? Right? Uh, Mike, I'll let you go from here. No, I mean, I, I agree. And uh, I, I think, you know, we've had the Irish invasion now, right, that uh, McKenna yeah. has set up. Uh, and I think this is what I think progresses to what you're talking about is we, we haven't had the platform of the arrive and drive that allowed, I think, that easy ability for someone to come over here from another place and compete at a high level. And now with uh, folks like McKenna and you've got... Uh, ODD. Um, ODD. And I think uh, who else is going to do it? Uh, Savage Dave uh, Wallingford. He's going to be uh, doing some car rentals too. You know, a- as we get kind of that stuff geared up, which is, is more common in, in other places of the world, I think it allows more of that capability to come around. And so I think that would be really awesome to see that kind of happen. We can go over there and do that already and to have them come here uh, and do the same and see how they, you know, level up to our guys and the experience we have here. That would be interesting for sure. Mm-hmm. But you think it's a recent Irish invention. You know this guy, John Coyne, right? He just did WRC Mexico, and he's been around the U.S. He's been around a long time. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, nobody knows. Me and AJ went spectating in Prescott a couple of years ago when we couldn't run the rally for negative, horrible reasons. Uh, John Coyne was leading the event until something broke. He had a piece of shit GC Subaru. AJ, you don't remember. Yeah, I do remember because that... The Irish guy was 66 years old or something. Yeah. That was awesome. It's not a recent Irish invasion. They've been around. Look at Seamus, another mm-hmm. good friend of mine. True. Seamus. <laughs> um, I would say that it's more recent. They're doing more of the championship versus just East Coast events, though. Okay, okay, my bad. Okay, all right. That's good, yeah. So, yeah, this this international intermingling, so to speak, and all this all this mix is, it's been, maybe it's a pipe dream, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, like, it's been a long-time um, fantasy of mine. We get... A Russian champion, a Latvian champion, whatever, Estonian champion. We get them over here, put them in some cars. I'll give them my. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna want my piece of shit car, but but let them, you know, <laughs> we put them in the car. We let them drive, and then we uh, we keep um, you know we keep thinking and fantasizing about more of our Canadian guys going over there for rallies, and that, that should happen. You know, even Pastrana and production WRC and back in two thousand seven, he didn't do horribly. You know, we, that, that that's that's the best thing we can do, guys. You know, some there's some former old friends of mine in the in the North American rally community who didn't uh, who made fun of me or or they, they they just you know they they started disliking me for for just constantly saying that guys there's there's stuff outside New York there's stuff outside the U S you go see oh, the Russians are better you know. Mm-hmm. You, you you can see that. Bring them over here. Let's let's go over there and learn from them. Let's let's mix it up. Let's mix it up. Let's not stay confined. So AJ, do you have any uh, connections to Finnish rallying? Uh, you know, primarily nowadays, probably uh, Yari Hamalainen is welcoming anybody that wants to come to Finland and run uh, like Lati and you know some of the other other rallies around there. He says, you know, one of the one of the best things Yari has ever said is. Well, among many things that if you ever want to have the most entertaining drink of your life, go out with uh, Dimitri and Yari for uh, some fireballs um, and some beers. But uh, Yari always says, you know, like, if you know, everybody fantasizes about going to WRC Finland um, in, in August. And he says, no, 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 no. Come, come the week before and rent a car. And he has connections all over the country. You know, come rent a car, race an event in Finland that has an entry of, you know, 150 cars. <laughs> Jeez. 
you know, then go spectate the, the DRC Finland. But if you want to be entertained and have a good time in Finland, you know, it, he's been very open to any American competitor because, you know, he, he was living here for a long time. But, you know, personally, like my my only family is that's over in Finland is uh, down in Hanko, which uh, they're kind of older folks. You know, I don't I don't have too many friends over there. But, um, you know, I think if anybody has that desire to go to WRC Finland, to go out a week early and, you know, take advantage of uh, the openness. It's a, it's an arrive and drive situation with with Yari for sure. But, you know, reach out to him. He's, he's a very open person and a very, very kind person. You can run a lot of events there on uh, cheaper dime. That's what I'd say. Guys, AJ just mentioned older, older Finnish relatives living in the south of Finland. You know what an old, you know what a Finnish 79-year-old grandma looks like? She drives a two-wheel drive Toyota Corolla with mandated, mandatory studded tires on snow. She goes 95 kilometers an hour, average speed, like for milk and bread. Down the <laughs> <laughs> 60 miles an hour average, including, no, including all the stop signs. That's a very true story. Uh, my, actually, my late Aunt Kirsty, she pretty much fits into that scenario 100%. Yeah, Satana Perkele. Yeah, she had a, but it was a Mercedes. It was an older, uh, like, 80s Mercedes. But same same thing, same story. Handbrake turns and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Google Drive car, you know, she doesn't think twice about it. Uh, so, AJ, you've been to uh, some Finnish events yourself then? Just at least to spectate? Uh, yes. WRC, Finland. You know, yeah. just WRC, Finland. Yeah. The, the yeah, I I have an old friend that uh, has a lake house, uh, a summer house in Yavaskala or outside of Yavaskala, um, you know, and it's right on the lake. It's beautiful um, sauna, you know, catch fish, you know, fresh fish and sauna and vodka and that whole thing. So no, no vodka, no Russian women. No, no, no. Just a sauna and uh, fresh fish. That's it. Yeah, that's a hundred percent it. You know, and you know, in Finland, you can get a, a pack, a hundred pack of beer at the grocery store. Wow. Yeah. Also, if you're a legitimate alcoholic, you can get, you get social assistance. They put you in a, in a house you know, or some kind of assisted living and they give you money for alcohol. True story. True story. True story. <laughs> some, North, some North American rally people need that. You know, cause drinking is expensive and yes. you know, all the food on the weekends take the booze cruise from, uh, Helsinki to Tallinn for the for the weekend on a kind of a short holiday and turn around and, and go back to Helsinki, you know, still completely trashed. But, you know, there's the there's the weekend booze cruise to Tallinn on the weekends. And this is also going to get edited out. But if you, Mike, next time you the chef chick, just uh, ask him to share some videos of his trip last year to Rally Finland. You're going to like it. <laughs> so have you uh, ever had to rally on a hangover? <laughs> when haven't I? <laughs> AJ, you go first. I generally try and be a good co-driver when it comes to the event. You know, editing notes and getting prepped for the how the rally runs, that's usually beyond my, you know, call of duty to get completely inebriated. But, you know, I'm, I'm up usually pretty late editing notes and getting ready for the event and making sure everything runs smooth. That's just, 
you know, attention to small, you know, I joke about fireball and, you know, partying at rally, but I'll be honest with you. I, I do take it very seriously. I will put in a shameless plug very quickly. I recently, you know, I've been around the sport for almost 20 years now and uh, lots of events, but I, I feel like we can all, all learn something. And I actually just took the Craig Drew uh, co-driving course uh, online that our good friend Eric Lee put me into for Christmas this year, but I just finished it. And I, I, you know, I felt that if I could learn one thing in an advanced co-driver, it'd be probably from, uh, you know, a legend such as Craig Drew. And I did, and I really enjoyed the course. So I, I hope he does listen to this because I haven't reached out to him personally, but, um, you know, I was able to, I, I, you know, I was able to pick out a lot of good, good pointers and a lot of good things. You know, I always thought I had a handle on it, but then realized with my own humility that, uh, you know, you can always learn something new. Uh, which I certainly, certainly do think, you know, he did put together a really nice online coursework. But, you know, it, it goes back to attention to detail and, you know, before the rally and, you know, after the rally, certainly that's a completely different story. But, uh, you know, at least prepping and, and showing up and uh, doing the best job I can to go quickly without issue or mostly without issue. That's the number one goal. It, it, it feels not like this question was intended for me more than AJ. <laughs> 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 No, no, no. All, all getting aside, no, no, no. I, I, I'll, I'll try to stay professional. No, I've learned. I will admit because we're on an honest streak here. I made those mistakes when I was young. Uh, I don't do that anymore. But um, I, I'm on a diet now, and I'm on this healthy living thing, which all my rally friends, like my service crew uh, guy Christopher and uh, and Chef Chuck and everybody, they joke about it. But uh, I try not to drink for 20 days before an event. Uh, I. I uh, no, don't roll your eyes, AJ. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I try to exercise. I'm I'm not I'm not 20 years old anymore. Uh, proper nutrition helps, and uh, you know it 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 it, it works out. Uh, uh, we mentioned we mentioned Alan Opel before. Alan has a history of uh, running with Pat Richard. Pat's an animal. Pat can <laughs> Pat can survive yeah. on on cigarettes and coffee for for like 20 days in a row. <laughs> Nothing else. He has to get a job done. Not, not everybody can do that. And I, I, I don't have the the stamina and the and and you know just the, the maybe, maybe I don't even have the dedication of those guys. So um, I, I I try to keep my health in check lately. Um, if you read Buffum's book, which you guys. Uh, you guys all have read or have a copy, I'm sure. Uh, not yet. Um, it's on my to-get list. I, yeah. I, 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 they're, they're no longer available, no longer obtainable. I'll, I'll, uh, you can get them on uh, Amazon. I think there's a couple out there that are used. but I don't think so. I, we, 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 me and a couple of other guys, I know, we bought them all. I have like three oh. or four. I'll uh, get, I see. I'll get you a copy. Yeah, well, thank you. There, there's one, one perk to being a friend of mine. I'll get you a copy. <laughs> uh, I have several of them. I... Uh, now I have to do really good editing of this to make you sound good. Well, you know, you, know, you do me the biggest favor if you don't edit any of it out. <laughs> that, that this is my, everybody will enjoy. It. So yeah, so in any anyway, in, in the book or in one of the stories that Tom Grimshaw and Buffum, in one of the stories they wrote was how they got drunk and screwed things up, and then. They, like a, fir a first day of an event was when they lost everything because they were fooling around. On the second morning, they sobered up and won everything. That was my point. So it's, sometimes you can do that. If you're, if you're young and, and, and crazy like Buffum, you can do that sometimes. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't drink until after the event or do anything foolish. But uh, uh, since we have a video call here, you can, you can see I'm wearing a Party with Buffum t-shirt. Yes. There's a limited edition of that, and I'm proud to wear it. And uh, John... Uh, 
John's an idol, and we're, we're, we're like going in, in, in increments here. There's a legend, which, which is the term we've overused here, like Antoine's a legend, uh, Travis Pastrana's a legend. Uh, John is a step above that. He's beyond legend. He's an idol. Like, I can't help but agree with that. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we had him on for the um, uh, 50th anniversary run that he did of uh, going back to Monte Carlo. Did you? I, I, never, I, never, I never listened to it. I have to listen to that. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, I mean, yeah, we we all like to we all like to party with Buffum, quote unquote. We all like to party sometimes, but uh, we have our own little protocol, uh, me and AJ, that we follow. So you know, proper nutrition, no drinking twenty days before and stuff like that it seems to be working. Both of you have kind of gone through, I guess, the different generations of pace notes of having just the you know organizer provided notes, Jemba's. Well, actually, from Tulips, um, all the way to Jemba to making your own notes. Now, I've talk to many drivers that have you know recently had to adopt adapt to doing their own notes and scared as hell at first and uh, one of the more recent ones uh, was fabio costa and talking to fabio at uh stpr this last year and he did um was it asif is that the stage i think it is asf asf has a stage on stpr yeah Yes. And he's like, that was the first one that, because he, he had like some old notes or something like that. That was the first stage, or, or maybe they still also had Jemba, but he, he did also some of his own notes. Anyways, he, he said that was the first one he did, you know, really confidently all on his own notes. And he's like, that's the best driving I've ever done. He enjoyed it so much. And it, again, it's just that experience thing, though. I think, uh, like, Dimitri, you were saying that, uh, you know, you, you're having a little bit of an issue because... You, it's not something you did all the time and all these guys were doing it all the time before. And I think adding that experience is really cool that we're seeing that happen here. I will say that, uh, both times I've ever run tulips. Um, I wanted to get more involved than I probably should have with, uh, calling notes. I didn't want to be just a passenger. And so both times I've run, um, tulips. The first time I already told you about was 2005 cog where we crashed hard on middle cog and then the second time being a show me rally in 2014 and adam short and i promptly went into a tree so tulips are not my best friend um i have a zero for two record on on tulips but i will say that writing notes is a different story but writing notes needs to be done in my personal experience with somebody that you are familiar with in the race car for example, uh, like Mitch and I got to a point we were writing our own notes for Rally. Uh, Flynn and I write our own notes. You know, Jemba, Jemba is Jemba. You shouldn't be driving 110 on Jemba anyway, um, you know, going back to 2004 Cog, because there can be bad notes. There can be discrepancies in notes as far as your pace goes, as compared to your pace. Um, so you just got to gotta go with what's comfortable with you and Recky. Um, Dimitri and I had an interesting time running. Um, we did do Recce at Prescott in 2016. No, we did we did twice, 15 and 17. Okay, and uh, you know it was it was fun. I had a good time. Um, you know, <laughs> we we had notes that probably nobody has ever seen before. And calls that probably nobody's ever seen before um, because, yeah, we were writing our own notes. But uh, I think there's some, you know, as far as Prescott goes anyway, there's some attributes to some of those stages that call for 
Um, very bizarre note calling. Did you like bizarre. my notes for, for Prescott? What's that? Did you like my notes? Yeah. Like notes? Yeah. Okay. yeah. To address the question, I think that uh, writing notes is a standard. It's a good skill for every co-driver to have and be able to transition to. I, I, I absolutely disagree. It's a standard in, in, in a strict sense. It, it's individual, very individual. Uh, what was the question exactly? What, what, what should I, I? I can talk for hours about this. What? what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys have, uh, you know, gone from uh, Tulips to Jemba to seeing the, you know, transition now to two pass recce of writing your own notes at some events and um, just what that's been like. And do you prefer using uh, writing your own notes once you've, you know, gotten the hang of it? No, I'll, I'll start by saying this. I don't know if people are uh, if people are really interested in hearing this. Uh, the the biggest jump uh, in performance and the quality of driving and everything was transitioning from no notes at all from from the um, from tulips, which which I've done. I started. I, I always I, I keep using it as an excuse to people when they start asking me about my performance and my history and what happened years ago. I started out on blind rallies. I always use the term blind rallies in uh, in North America in the 90s, 80s, whenever, in, uh, through 2001 or so. We only had uh, blind rallies. We had tulips. You had to use the, the trip computer that I mentioned before. The co-driver had to use that. And we only had uh, tulips. I have some great videos I can share. You know, uh, you, you drive for two miles and the co-driver sits there just carefully trying to monitor the mileage, you know, until until he comes to a corner that he feels he should tell you about that's in the notes. It could be the next instruction could be in two miles. Exactly. With base notes or yeah. You can have that. So the next step was Jamba was organized supplies supplied notes, and that was oh my god, that was eye opening. That was, but we pushed for that. There's this is this is a subject of a whole other two hours and three more bottles of wine. We pushed for that in early two thousands. There have been bad accidents. There have been fatalities with no notes. So us European guys, me and my 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 former good friend Constantine and other Russian guys, a bunch of people in the Northeast, we had the. There have been some bad accidents, and we since they happened, we pushed for um, for change, and we we wanted recce, or if not recce, we wanted at least some kind of a notes or, or some kind of knowledge of the road we were going fast on. So then Jamba came, and I was like, oh my god, that was awesome. Then then we realized around uh, what AJ brought up around 2004, 2005, some bad accidents. Antoine can tell you, and um, oh. Sprongles can tell you certainly Dan got injured in an accident. There, there's some shitty Jamba notes. Jamba isn't uh, isn't really uh, how should I word this carefully? Isn't the solution? It's not perfect. It's by far not perfect. Yeah, you still need uh, to wreck you with it at least. Uh, well, well, you know, that's to verify it if anything else. That's another can of worms you just opened. My personal opinion, and this is only my personal opinion. People may disagree with it. Uh, uh, Ricky on top of Jamba notes is just a clusterfuck. It's just it, it's 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 bad. I don't think it's good. Uh, making your own notes and having proper Ricky and the more passes the better. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now again, mm -hmm. what Ian touched before, even you've been quiet. Um, in Russia, <laughs> back, back in those years. Uh, uh, I, up until maybe until mid 2000s or late 2000s, their Ricky was unrestricted. There were actually those 
those guys with their full rally cars, they, they were using, for Ricky, they were using full-blown rally cars with roll cages just without the sponsor's stickers. They would have, like a team would have three Evo 6s, an Evo 6 rally car that's kept in the garage at the property, at the, at the hotel, with stickers on it, an Evo 6 Ricky car, which is the same thing with a slightly... Maybe le uh, maybe less aggressively tuned ECU, no stickers on it at all except the car number. They would use that for Reiki. And the third car, that's a spare. That's insane. So anyway, they were using a full full fast rally car with like all-in suspension, a Proflex suspension, uh, to do Reiki. And they had unlimited runs. They could Reiki that stage six or seven or nine times at full speed. That that wow. even, that's how it was in Europe. And and I mean that. Uh, that had its own drawbacks because it disrupted the life of the towns nearby, but they didn't give a crap about that. And also, it resulted in some fatalities too, because you know, in in, in Maine or in, in Russian parts of Russia, resembling Maine, there were logging trucks, and that that didn't end very good. But uh, so they had that; we didn't have that. So their note-making skills are far superior to ours. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. And that's what I that's what I faced. And even I, speaking personally of our our own experiences, even mine to this day, I have this huge inferiority complex that I I am not anywhere near. I, I I'm not good at making my notes. I've been making my notes since 2008. This is 2007, whenever they introduced it here. Uh, I I just never became good at it. And once I do, watch out. But but I I, I have very I have very uh, I have a very honest and humble assessment of my own note-making abilities and uh aj and Ian. i i you know you gotta it comes with time you gotta do a lot mm -hmm. of events and make your own notes it really helps to be uh racing with the same person because you know how they're going to you generally have an idea about how they're going to behave behind the wheel i will say again i will reiterate um that you know craig drew's course was his online course was good because you know it wasn't necessarily a note taking or uh, note prepping, but it was just little things that maybe I've overlooked in the past. But in general, you know, to you know, to be a better navigator, it's a lot of trial and error, and um, you just got to go with what fits. You got to go with what fits with the person that you're racing with, their driving style, and what makes sense. Because if you're driving 110 percent. You know, you got to make sure that note works for both of you. Otherwise, you're going to go off the road. That's just, you know. You, you do like my notes? Yeah. I okay. mean, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anybody make a note called left seven plus deceptive before. But when mm. you're doing 130, it makes sense. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you say, an effective note system comes between the teamwork between the driver and the co-driver i mean the driver's got to understand what what you're telling him the driver's got to realize that i've got to understand what he's telling me so that i can tell him what to do but um so uh, there were lots of thought processes and uh and things that the gelsominos gave me that opened up my eyes to the to the way to do it to do it effectively and on it there are t right now there are because scott and i in the rally truck we, we've only been running together like a year and that there, there are times there are definitely times right now where i am telling scott that this is how you should do it this is how i want you to do it so i can 
so so I can do my best for you. Crazy Leo, you're aware of who that is. Oh right? yes. If, if there is if there is a, a unique system that's incomprehensible to anybody in the world, that's him. <laughs> he may he may have he may be listening to which I he's a Russian guy and a good friend of mine too. I'm friends with everybody. So uh, so yeah, no, it's a perfect example of 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 the guy has a proprietary note making system. Or, or several of them, for all I know. I've never used his services or anything, but that's uh, when, when you brought that up, that's the first name that came to mind. That, that, that guy goes crazy. He doesn't release his uh, onboards or anything. He charges money, uh, and, and, and God bless him, and it's, it's probably great. But he has, from, what, from the limited amount of information I have heard from what I've seen in the videos, that guy has the craziest, most incomprehensible like unique to himself system that, that that anybody can imagine, and that's I don't know if that's I don't know if it's good or bad. I'm not saying it's bad, but uh, I don't know if that's the right way to. So I mean, you, what I'm saying is you can take it too far. You can you can sometimes create an uh, a stupid, overcomplicated thing. You're listening to this high, but but. So uh, for both of you guys, uh, tell us a craziest moment. Uh, that you've experienced in rallying, either yourselves or you were there when it happened. I'll start. This podcast yeah. is the craziest thing. <laughs> <laughs> Another one that stands out for me is I, I sat in on day two of uh, Rim of the World in 2004. Oh, and, that, uh, that's supposed to be an epic rally. I wish it would come back someday. So one of the night stages that they had was called Magic Mountain. And it was a, a tarmac stage i don't remember if it went on the gravel or not but it was mostly tarmac and it was a essentially a hill climb it was at night and you would it is on the other side of the mountain from la and so you'd see all the smog come on the, down the other side of the mountain at night and so you'd have the rally lights on all you would see was pollution like in the rally lights and you're trying to race a stage going up a very tight stage magic mountain was and uh I was sitting with uh, Jimmy Keeney because Brian Moody got sick. Wow. We're, I look up from the notes at one point, and these are I'm reading somebody else's notes, right? Right, even um, harder. Yeah, and I look up and it's like blinding smog, and it was all these metallic particles that were reflecting back at you. It was the craziest damn thing I've ever seen in my life. Actually, now that I think about it, another another interesting uh, was passing Joseph Burke on stage. Uh, rally tennessee in 2007 where Oli holter is in the hood of the car working the uh throttle cable because the throttle cable broke so Oli's sitting there working the throttle cable and joseph's driving and the hood is up and it, yeah that, oh, that so he's, they're, they're moving forward while he's doing that well yeah if you know <laughs> joseph Burke, he doesn't hold back at all <laughs> If AJ, if anybody was passing Joseph Burke, Joseph had to be either stationary or moving backwards. Well, that's what I was <laughs> thinking. Yeah. Or you know, food. That's another guy I'm friends with. <laughs> but yeah, that was a that was that was a good one. Or, uh, gosh, there was a stage at Rally New York in 2008 as well, where uh, we started the stage down on one side of the mountain. It was gravel. Got up to the apex of the stage, and it was snow. And then started in gravel again, and then went to tarmac, and then to gravel. It was, you know, there's four or five different surface changes. And to get your way through that during, you know, at speed is crazy. I have to say, those are some of my high points. 
Dimitri? I don't know. The, uh, the, well, AJ just, God bless him, he just rattled off like 18 craziest moments of his life. I can't, I can't do that many. <laughs> so I'll, I'll fill up the whole podcast time here. Uh, if I had to pick one, I don't know if any, it's, it's, mm, it's hard to pick the best one. I just, um, I got to put on my Quebec accent. I'm uh, uh, in the moment. I'm so passionate about the sport. You know, I, uh, I've been doing it since my early age. Oh, I, I'm very, I'm very poor at that. Um, I don't <laughs> have any particular ones. Probably maybe the, maybe the best moment, maybe the, 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 um, the wildest thing was uh, that 2004 Tall Pines uh, thing with Alan, where we won the regional overall, where we had to do a champagne spray. We had no choice. We had to drag the car onto the podium. Uh, we had a two-wheel drive production car, and we were fourth overall, winning the regional outright. The cars, the cars behind us in the regional overall standings were a Ford Escort Cosworth and a Subaru, a, a, tur a turbo GC Subaru. So that that tells you something. Um, uh, or um, I, I really can't think of any other rally. I mean, what's the wildest? I, I've had it. This this sport fills me up with wild, crazy moments. I mean, um, you know what? No, I found since we're since there are several of us in in this in this uh, podcast here, we're all together. AJ, how about this? How about the seat mount story? Maybe that's the wildest <laughs> moment of all ever. <laughs> Back in 2015, we were. Uh, you want to do the honors, or I'll do it. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> you tell it better than I do. Maybe that's the craziest moment. Me, uh, me, and um, me and AJ ran and borrowed the Galant VR4 in a 2015 um, Prescott rally, and that was after me not driving for five or six years or so, and uh, we did a recce, the notes felt good, and we thought we were given a decent car, which I'm not going to get into the details of that. We weren't. We were given a piece of crap. But um, So anyway, we started. Uh, the, we did the first stage. The car wouldn't run right. We couldn't go over 30 kilometers an hour. You know, it was just a piece uh, of It made, some good, made for some good pictures. We have some good pictures around the event. But uh, everything went horribly. So on the second stage, suddenly, whatever was wrong electrical with the car, um, it suddenly fixed itself for a while for a few kilometers we did a few we did a, a, a few nice a few nice turns and straightaways so at one point me and AJ were going we went up up some sort of an elevation and dropped down so it was like a, I don't want to call it a jump but it was a it was a bump on an elevation and we had to land off of that with some sort of a vertical g-force applied to the car so that thing jumps up and it boom it comes down and then instead of, it, it, not instead of the notes, but in conjunction with the notes, I suddenly hear this big fin, and that's what he calls himself online, too, big fin. The guy is 240 pounds, seven feet tall. So, so, he, so he goes to me, and he says, I, I don't think, I, and, and he's, he's got a very good command of English language. You know, he see, he's pretty articulate. So he goes, he doesn't say, he doesn't curse or anything. He says, I don't think my seat is attached to the car any longer. I'm still driving this Galat, you know? and I'm going. What? What do? You, what do you mean? First of all, and what do you want me to do? And I'm still, I'm still driving. I'm still turning the steering wheel. I'm pushing the pedals. And he goes. I, I said, do you, do you want me to pull over? No, no, no. Just drive. Just don't crash. <laughs> don't crash. That was, <laughs> that was one of the famous things. last words. Yeah. Just. What, what do you mean to do? I don't know. Just don't crash. That was. I still remember it, and I always will for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, so it, 
So if you see the hashtag on Facebook with Chow Don't Crash, you know, we, we have a, a very affectionate name for Dimitri and we call him the Russian Mr. Chow. And it's very fitting for more reasons than the, one. The, the, the hangover, the, the, the movie hangover, it, it comes from. Yeah, that. yeah. And so that's that's where that comes from. If you ever see it, it's the Chow Don't Crash. It comes from the uh, the gallant breaking a seat mount. Um, and we get the, the, the best part is the end of the story. We, you know, it was first view and then witty Tom where the seat mount broke. And we get to service. We're like, oh, the seat mount's broken. Like, get a welder, whatever. And they're like, oh, what if we just put a two by four under it and finish the day? Like, don't hold serious. That sounds safe. The way that car ran, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't care. I, 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 I'm lucky I never heard that. I, yeah, okay. We never restarted on day two. No, no. So, anyway, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so, of all the rallies you've competed in, uh, favorite one? For me, it was probably Ojibwe 2006. Yeah. Did yeah. they use uh, different roads then? Yeah, so there was a, you know, we ran more of the roads up by Bemidji, and there was the old stage Strawberry Mountain at night, 24 and a half miles. They're talking about bringing that back this year. Yeah, they Strawberry should. Mountain is coming back this year. On Saturday, yeah. they're going to run it twice, I believe. So It's brutal, and, you know, it was at night. And it, 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 you transit back to Bemidji at like 11.30 at night. And it's a it's an hour long transit, and so Mitch was so exhausted from driving because it was nine stages, and that was the last stage of the day. I actually drove the transit back to Bemidji using the rally computer and the um, route book in on one side of my lap, and driving the rally car with the other while he slept in the passenger seat. <laughs> <laughs> Long I, I day. It's Long very day. easy to drive a Subaru. It's that's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dimitri? Do you have a favorite rally that you've run to date? I've been I've been thinking about this for those four minutes or so since you asked a question. I don't know if I have a favorite rally. You know, we we, we haven't talked about heroes or favorite people uh, favorite people or 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 like legends enough here. I'm gonna do some name dropping. Uh, same thing. <laughs> same thing, Frank's. Mm. Said years ago. That, that's another very good old friend of mine. By the way, we're we're not going to get into that. Uh, uh, ironically, you, you, I am different. Yes, I'm. I'm going to turn the tables on you guys. I'm going to twist things here. Uh, it's a rally that I've never done very well on, and I. It's a, it's the rally that has that also um, contributed to the most horrible racing experience of my life. It's STPR. Uh, I, yeah. I love STPR roads. I've experienced a near-death crash he, there uh, when I first acquired my Blue Evo that you guys all know and some of you are in love with. Um, the, 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 the old Evo 4, the first time I drove it, um, I crashed on stage 6 of STPR in 2006. If you are... Uh, some of you are, haven't been involved long enough, but if you've seen pictures on my Facebook page, it's uh, 06 STPR claimed a lot of metal... Uh, physical pain, her, uh, egos, and everything else. It was the last time Sprongles ever ran STPR. It was where Dan got injured. It was uh, uh, Ken Block crashed heavily there. Um, I I rolled the car off there pretty much. It took 
it costs as much to rebuild it as, as it would have to buy a new car. Uh, Were they what, different roads then? No, 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 roads is now, man. It's, no, no, no. The, the minute, the minute, the minute they introduce different roads to STPR is when I'm gonna start. I'm gonna stop calling it STPR. No, no. Those are awesome roads. They're they're the most rewarding if you can go. I'm quoting somebody. I'm not gonna say the name again. The Canadian guy. Uh, they're the most rewarding if you can go faster than you can win that, which he has several times. God bless him. Um, I, I've, I've, I, I can see where he's coming from with that statement. They're incredibly, awesomely rewarded. But it's like what Andrew Pinker has said once. Another good friend of mine. Uh, it's like I, I forget exactly the, the expression he used. It's like. Uh, uh, you're like at the gates of hell all the time. You're driving. You're you're on edge. You're 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 between. You, you either win it or, or or you or you die. There's nothing in between. You know, it's it's it's. You're constantly on the throttle. They're incredibly fast, narrow. There's trees, huge trees on the side of the road. The road is one and a half car width. That's all it is. And and, and it will rain. Yeah, it will, oh, it will rain. And, and, and <laughs> it's not maybe, it will. Like, you're not, you're, you're not a driver, are you? you, you well, you are, okay, you've never, no. Uh, the, 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 the terrible thing for the drivers is that uh, it's, the surface, it's clay, it's red clay. It's incredibly grippy when it's dry. The minute it starts raining, forget about it. It's it's, ice, it's it's ice rink. Horrible. It's it's an exactly it's an ice rink. I've had two crashes at STPR in the five or six times I ran it. I had the most life threatening, terrible, biggest crash of my life there in 06. I haven't gone back yet, but but I tell you what, I will. There's only several people who have wanted won that rally more than once. John Buffum, Antoine Lestage, Schwanier. I think Ken Block may have won it one uh, twice. Maybe I think that's it. I'm I'm. Uh, I'm the biggest rally historian ever. Yeah, Dan Sprongle has said that I should be an official North American rally historian. To which I replied with my usual gesture, and I said, I, I, "I before I do that, I will only do that when I retire. Before that, I want to make, I want to, I'd rather be known as a good driver before I become a historian. But uh, I usually keep things like that in, in my hand, in mind, and." Um, yeah, Antoine, uh, Schwanier, Buffum, I don't know how many other people have won it more than once. That rally is incredible. So, yeah, prob that's probably my favorite roads, and my biggest experience was in 06 when I crashed. I haven't been back since. Um, and, um, yeah, I think I think those roads, yes, yes, it's, it's incredible. Uh, Frank Sprungle won that event in 98, crashed in 99 the following year while leading, and crashed bad, bad in 2006, and hasn't driven it since. You know, before I come back there driving, I should get I should get Frank on the phone and see if we should do like a a, a reunion sort of things. And if he, if he's up for it, I will be something like that. Mm. Crazy, crazy rally. I don't know, Mike. Was that, was that? Do you have a plan like written out on on a on a piece of paper? The questions you were going to ask. Maybe I'm jumping. Uh, a dream, a dream car they haven't done yet. I, 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 I have not. I, no, I'm just been throwing yeah. out stuff off the top of my head. Okay, okay, okay. Here. But uh, yeah, we can talk cars next. I'm, I'm sorry. Definitely. I'm sorry that I assumed that, buddy. I'm sorry. No, go for it. I want. I'm. I'm gonna have before I die, which is whenever. Uh, I want to have a BMW E36 uh, rally car. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna drive the. I'm gonna drive the wheels off of that. 
I don't. I, I'm going to be careful in wording this. I don't want to say that the best years of my rallying came in a two-wheel drive with Alan Oakwell. I don't want to say not necessarily. No, I've. Uh, I'm having more fun than anybody ever has any right to have in my in my open class rally cars. Even though I'm I'm a little afraid of my own rally cars. If they're too too quick and fast, but. Uh, I don't want to say that my best days were in the two-wheel drive, but there were certainly significant days. And one day, I'm just going to go back to that, and I'm just going to have a ball. I'm going to. I'm also going to fly out. I'm going to grab AJ. I'm going to fly out to Latvia, and we're going to, or like Finland or something, and we're going to drive some Volvo 940s or. or, or yeah, get a hold of Yari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yari is another good friend of mine, by the way. Yes. So, AJ, do you have a uh, favorite car? Well, you know, if I could find my old Volvo again, I'd try and snatch that thing nice. up. A hundred percent. I mean, it, you know, Group Five rules were no restrictor, no turbo restrictor. Like just blast that thing with horse with boost and power, and see how far you can make it. The nice thing about a Volvo is that the the motor can take that. You know, so right. yeah, if I could find that Volvo again, I would. Unfortunately, I think it's disappeared into the oblivion somewhere. Um, I've I've been looking for it for five years, probably. Still. So AJ, um, how did you get to know Flynn? And because I mean, he's obviously uh, a huge talent, and like you said, he's got uh, his links to doing stunt driving and all that stuff. Uh, actually, it was a Facebook skills ad. If you if you seriously, read oh yeah, shut up. On North America Rally on Facebook. He needed a co-driver. He, he is, you know, Flynn's been around rally forever. He used to navigate for, uh, on the 510 with, with Mike Whitman and, uh, you know, in the nineties and, um, you know, he's been around with, uh, uh, Tony Chavez and he's done a little bit of driving here and there, but, uh, you know, Flynn's, Flynn's been around the game a while. Um, you know, we have a lot of the same connections and, um, it actually, it was, it, it was probably about, uh, let's see, two years ago, um, about a month before, two months before High Desert Trails, he, on North America Rally Resource, he's looking for a co-driver, his old navigator, so he, he actually bought Keith Jackson's old Blahlai, the blue Blahlai, the 05, and uh, if you know Keith Jackson, uh, um, really good guy, lots of talent, um, won several stage rallies outright. Um, over his years um, but he's off doing other things now I think um, so Flynn picked up his car and he had his best friend co-driving for him didn't work out had his nephew in the in the silly seat well I think he got the poor kid sick a couple times um, so you know he's like I want to go fast I want to be certain what I'm doing and so I was like ah you know I I'm around you know I'll come out to California and do an event with you and it turned into a you know a really a really good relationship just uh, in the rally car and outside of it. You know we've done five or six events together now, um, and we also work together outside of the rally car. And it, so it all started with a Facebook post. It it was it was a Facebook personal <laughs> ad looking for a co-driver. So you know <laughs> Facebook matchmaking at its best. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So High Desert Trails, you know, it was fun. We had a good time. We went really fast. Uh, you talk about uh, old Olympus roads, 130, 135 miles an hour, and we were certainly there. There's one stage there called Jawbone Canyon where you go 
it's it, we were on rev limiter in sixth gear for like seven miles whoa yeah and it, you know he's the, the guy's really talented i'm constantly impressed by his driving and he's very if you ask him about it about his you know his driving history and what he's accomplished in the car he's he's a very very modest person about it so that you know if you're looking for a guy that could talk your ear off about um interesting in cars and working for different companies you know porsche ferrari mclaren lamborghini like that's a guy you want on your show um but you know we recently transitioned out of the subaru into an evo 10 that we were talking about earlier so you know we're three events behind on breaking that car out um but hoping to do it soon because it's very it'll be really interesting to see what he can do in a very very properly sorted car so on, on a little bit uh, more modern subject, I guess, I uh, just wanted to get your guys' opinion about, uh, you know, I guess the future of rallying. Um, actually, I'm thinking more kind of globally because it probably take longer for it to come here. But uh, one thing Ian and I have talked a lot about, and unfortunately he had to drop off, uh, but uh, the electrification of coming to rally cars. Thoughts on that? Do you think that's a, a good progression forward? I'm um, pure. It's crap. Here's the short <laughs> fair enough fair enough although I'm thinking that <laughs> on the hybrid side the torque coming out of a corner might be awesome at least for a couple seconds that's about it Mitch and I always joked about building a Prius to rally and we joked that we'd prep the car and crash it on the second corner just to make a statement set it on fire and bark expose what the fuck yeah. <laughs> just walk away yeah. Dimitri is trying hard yes, not look, to say yeah, something. You're, 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 looking, you're looking for my for my input here. Um, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm very saddened. I'm very very saddened and upset. No, not by what you think it is. I'm saddened by the fact that Ian left. I can no longer hear that accent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I am okay. I'm okay with hybrids. I don't know what what um. I I don't think. Anything good is gonna come out of it in the in the near future. But I mean, if they if they find a way to make it work in the next few years, then then fine, let's go with it. Uh, I think we've uh, made enough. What what's the right word here? We we made enough concessions and um, uh, we've made enough sacrifices with the one point six WRC cars and and whatnot. You know. Uh, Oh, I I can't. It's it, it's a hard it's a hard it's hard to keep a balance here between feeling like an old guy. You know, I'm an I'm an old group A guy. Like Antoine was saying, I'm a big fan of old uh, rally history. You know, I'm a I'm a group A guy. I'm in a I'm a '90s guy because that's what I grew up with. Um, uh, it uh, those cars will always be the best in my book. So it's hard to. Um, it's hard to put anything else in front of it as being better, but um, it seems like a modern 1.6 small turbo car. You know, it sounds like a lawnmower Honda Civic, you know, of, of previous days, and that car is suddenly beating anything else that you can put up against it. Um, I don't know if um, I don't know if I'm in favor of it or if I should embrace it. It, it it's hard to say. No, fully fully electric cars. No, I don't think that that has any future in rallying. Although although when I um, when I force myself to to get into that um, frame into that that mind frame and thinking about it, uh, we're all about going fast 
down a dangerous road, which we've only seen on Reiki before. You know, we're all about turning the wheel and pushing some buttons or pedals to, uh, to, to make that car go as fast as the next guy or better. Maybe it's okay. Maybe the, maybe the future is in the electric cars. I don't know. I guess kind of to close things out, how are you guys uh, handling this lockdown? Uh, doing anything to uh, keep yourselves busy? I think uh, Dimitri was talking just a little bit about uh, digging up some old stuff. But what about you, AJ? I'm still working, man. I'm working more than I ever have. So am I. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're quote unquote essential business. Um, we, you know, my family has a nutritional supplement business and we also do human specimen testing for CDC. So we do a lot of, a lot of work in that, in that realm. Um, and then I also have a, uh, a CBD business where we do all of our, uh, formulation in house. And I think, you know, I, I think I mentioned earlier that I work with Flynn, you know, outside the rally car and, uh, he works for a company called cosmic pet and they are you know the biggest one of the biggest uh pets uh toy and um material suppliers in north america and they're international and we are um handling their demand for cbd for pets so um very busy uh both well in cbd nutritionals and uh, uh human specimen testing so, yeah, I, I've never been busier. I mean, I'm in the lab you know, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Yeah. Um, Dimitri over there is uh, setting up in the camera so we can see his uh, play seat that he's got set up there. So uh, he's been spending his spare time uh, doing a little bit of sim racing, I'm guessing. A little bit of dirt rally too, man? I'll, I'll have to. I, I, I don't want to sound too cool for my own good. Uh, I have actually. I, dude, so, dude, go also, for it. You've been doing it all night. I'm also. <laughs> you're good man no 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 between um between listening to your previous podcasts which people should be named and uh and whatever else i'm also running a family medical business yes similar to adrian uh the sim rig is mostly used by my two-year-old daughter who pretends she's a rally driver like Antoine said, his kids don't want to be, don't want anything to do with that. My, uh, I, I have two kids, fourteen and two. The two-year-old is every bit. Unfortunately, she's a female. Unfortunately, well, or unfortunately for a rally career, she's a female. Uh, she is every bit of a driver that I am, and more later. You, you guys will see it. I don't know if it's your, AJ is shaking his head. Uh, good or better, I don't know. She's the next Michelle Mouton or whatever. Antoine's sister is actually a successful co-driver, and his uh, uh, Natalie Richard is uh, is 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 Canadian's uh, most successful uh, female rally person ever. Uh, we'll see where it goes from there. My 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 little two-year-old daughter loves everything about cars, rally, racing, and everything else. I do have the sim seat, but I um, oh, we're gonna open up another can of worms here. I've never been good at. Um, procuring sponsorship or money or anything or budgets to go racing. So um, I've, um, I, I, I've, I've been too busy running my day business medical field, which is, which has had to uh, jump another hurdles in the last month or so. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just keeping it going so that we can, so, so that we, I'm looking at you here on the screen, AJ, so we can have money to, to, to run, uh, you know, we can have the budgets to run, uh, 
to run more events this year or we can take our Canadian champions uh, out to Europe or we can uh, we can have the new diff for my rally car which is what I'm working on and we're uh, we're upgrading uh, so you know I, it's work non-stop it's work non-stop every day the rally sim sim uh, jig here is a uh, rig here is just um, it's 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 something to do in spare time at night which I haven't had time I made time to do this uh, podcast which which I'm really glad I did. I'm, I'm proud of it, but um, other nights I'm busy. Work hasn't stopped. Well, gentlemen, it has been a joy to talk to you this evening, um, get to know you a little bit, and uh, I guess, AJ, to see you again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know you a little better oh, for oh, the oh, next oh, time oh. we see. Mike, I'm sure we've crossed paths at, at area events, so we just we just didn't know who each other was. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that, that's what I enjoy about this, is just getting to know people. So, uh, But again, Thank you guys for coming on the show. Uh, once again, we want to send our thoughts to all our friends, family, first responders, doctors, nurses, and support staff, um, even folks in the food industry, you know, working at grocery stores, all that stuff uh, that kind of keep everything rolling right now. Um, it's it's definitely a hard time for all of us, but uh, we're still plugging our way through, that's for sure. So remember, uh, if you like what we're doing on the show, it's always a big help if you give us a like, give us a follow, uh, leave us a brief comment. If you don't like what we're doing, well, shut up. We don't want to hear about that. <laughs> even, been, even better, though, tell a friend to listen to if you like this show. So we appreciate that. You can tell your smart speaker to play the Open Paddock Rallycast, as well as find us on iTunes, Podbean, uh, Google Podcast, pretty much anywhere you look for podcasts, you can find the show. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Stay healthy, stay safe, and have a good night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.